This podcast was recorded live on October 14th at 10.20 p.m. Things may have changed since the time of this recording. Please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I am Samora, your host, and the fellows are here for another episode of SJH Man Cave. We are live on Facebook and looking forward to another fantastic conversation. If you're watching this on Facebook, please make sure you hit that like button and share the discussion. You can also follow us at SJH Podcast Family. If you are watching us on YouTube, please remember that you can see this and other videos at SJH Man Cave. Once you're there, please tap the subscribe button and hit the bell to make sure you are alerted when new videos are available. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SJH Man Cave and email us at info at SJHmancave.com. And with all that being said, let's dive right in. So brothers, how was your week? I'll start with you, Jason. Week wasn't that bad. I, uh, what was it, uh, Thursday, uh, messed around and took the family. Well, first of all, Jada comes home. Well, she's already home. She comes out of class and went out of her e-learning or whatever. Hits me with, uh, hey, Dad, I know we normally go to the pumpkin patch around this time for Halloween. I want to go here. Hands me this little post-it note that she done wrote down from a teacher place called Fair Oaks Farm. I said, okay, uh, let's, let's see what it's about. Jumped on the computer, looked online, saw it was a, uh, uh, basically it's kind of like a dairy farm, almost kind of like some kind of farm resort. They even got their own hotel. So they I got said, their own hotel at yeah, a they farm? Got, yeah, they got a little hotel out there. It actually looks pretty nice too. They have a hotel, a big cafe, and a restaurant too. Actually, looks pretty nice. I didn't get a chance to eat at the restaurant, but the cafe was pretty nice. So uh, I say, okay. Talk to the wife. It's like, okay. Well, let's do. Let's shoot out there on a Thursday. Y'all take y'all take the day off from e learning and everything. We will go out there and have some fun. So we hopped in the car, drove on out to Indiana. That's where it is, out in Indiana. And uh, actually, you know what? Some more when we drove to Indianapolis to go to that football game, we passed this place. And I didn't even really? think about it at first. Yeah, it had like them had a bunch of big like uh oil oiler trucks, like they hold like the, the they milk and stuff like that alongside the road, Fair Oaks Farm and stuff all along the side. So we got there, you know, we got in, we got uh, we got our tickets and everything. And uh the lady was like, you know, would you like to take the the dairy tour and the pig tour? So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, sure, we here, let's take the tour. So we started off with the with the dairy tour which consisted of us hopping on a tour bus with about maybe 10 other people. <clears throat> all that all that good social distancing and stuff, everybody separate in the seats and stuff. Another one of these places that I was very happy with the fact that they acknowledged the social distancing, even though it was in Indiana, because I know a lot of folks in Indiana is kind of like, yeah, we don't really care about the mask, which is why they on the list now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but I was very happy with what they were doing. Oh, oh, before we got on the tour, on the bus, sorry about this, because this is something that I, I, I struggled with posting online because I got a video of it, but I didn't want anybody to think bad of me or think I was weird or into some bestiality or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, no, they, uh, they have uh, certain parts of the farm, they had, they had this birthing area. And this was one of the things that Jada was like real geeked up about. Like, I want to go see a calf be born. And I'm like, all right. 
That sounds weird for an eleven year old, but all right. <laughs> so, Lady wow. the place, like, you know, your bus is going to be like a half hour. You can go and check out the birthing barn. If the green light is on, that means a calf is being born. So apparently they're having like 40 to 80 calves be born like daily. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what they said. That's wild. I thought it was crazy. Like, I, that's impossible. Like, how many cows do y'all have? <laughs> <laughs> So I have never up. heard of this kind of place before. Trip me out. So we got over to we we got over to the birthing barn. It was a yellow. They literally had like a street light, like it was a red light, yellow light, green light. So it was a yellow light. So I'm like, okay, well maybe that means one on the way or one's about to stop. Mm-hmm. I already know what's going on. Let's go inside, check it out. When you walk in, they got this little glass little wall where they got like the calves that were born like a couple of hours early or something. So it was like one sitting there looking, you know, starry-eyed and couldn't wobble their legs and all the other good stuff. So then oh, we, we hit the corner, we go inside. First of all, it's stadium seating. So like, you know how you go, like like them outdoor like plays and stuff where they have like the cement like seats and stuff and they just around. Yeah. So they had this, the stadium seating with this big glass, paint, big Playing the glass and whatnot, the circle doll with two sides where they got two cows. When we walked in, one cow had just had one and one was in the process of having one. So we sat down, we start watching. There's this lady in there, and the whole time we joking, Jada's like, Is this what she does all day? And the like, y'all shut up. <laughs> this is what's going on? <laughs> I was like, I wonder. They probably work shifts. She she does eight hours worth of cow birthing, and then somebody else comes in and births some more cows eight hours after that. So we sit down. The lady finished up with the one cow that was cleaning off her baby, and the other one was just kind of like walking in circles. And then she came. She went out this door and came back into the other side with like this weird little rope type strap type deal. So she got behind the cow and the legs for the calf was just kind of hanging out already. Mm -hmm. So I guess the process in this birthing is that they like wrap this strap around like the, the, the the calf's legs and they had, it has like an extra little, little loop in it where they step on it and they're literally pulling this calf out. At least to the point where the mother can like push it out on her own. And then she's like digging in and like trying to get his head out. So I'm just like, oh my God, I I couldn't imagine. I, I kept asking my wife, like, is this what it was like when you was? <laughs> <laughs> Did she pretend like it was? Like, yeah, it was that hard. Oh, no, she was just, you she was like, be yeah, grateful for me. <laughs> like, this, this thing's accurate. <laughs> so, I'm like, okay. That sounds like her. That sounds <laughs> right. like her. So <laughs> mess around. First of all, my, my kids are the worst. Like, I can't take them to stuff like this because they all got these little jokes and quips. Jada's joking about the lady in there pulling the calves out working shifts. And Julia's like, why is they, why is that lady digging in that cow's butt? Like, there's a baby in that cow's butt. And I'm like, Julia, it's not coming out the cow's butt. It, it's, uh, I, can't really, like, it, I don't know if I can have this conversation with him now. You can't. He's and, not ready. <laughs> And He's I definitely ready. can't use a cow as an example at this point. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just left these, it at these that. Are, these are definitely y'all kids. I mean, I'm, I'm going to just tell you. 
these comments they make sense, but definitely y'all did. <laughs> you know, but I'm glad you did not take that opportunity though. I'm glad you did not take that opportunity to explain the why. <laughs> I'm sitting next to Jado and but what now she stated telling me record it. Come on, record it, Dad. I'm like, I don't think this feels inappropriate. Like I shouldn't. <laughs> right. And the cow just keeps looking back like out the window. Like it's kind of, like you turn. Like all we see is the cow and this lady pulling is just looking like, all right, I don't know what's happening. Though. Like she's just like, I'm over it at this point. And the whole time I'm thinking, I, I feel like we should leave. Like this seems personal. So here I am pulling my phone out and I'm videoing. I'm like, all right, well, it's got to be happening sometime soon. I'm not posting it to Facebook because I don't want nobody, I don't want to end up in Facebook jail or nothing. <laughs> so, lady, she finally gets the head out of the, the head out and whatnot, pulls this calf out, drops the whole mess and the glue mm-hmm. and the veins and all the other stuff. Calf immediately dreamed of. Yeah, she, 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 just, she just looks ill. Yeah, <laughs> can we go now dad <laughs> yeah. right like all right that's enough I think they're gonna bring in another cow this one's over here still cleaning so i'm like well one birth is good enough and we got half of one so let's go take the tour <laughs> <laughs> so we finish that up we go jump on the bus and they take like the, the their their dairy farm is like a mile down the road so they take us through this thing. The lady who's driving the buses, she's got like this little tour recorded thing and whatnot going the whole time we on the bus. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, we said they, they, they talking the entire time they're talking about these dairy cows. They're really pushing the fact that they're comfortable. Like mm-hmm. everything about what's happening and what we're seeing, it's okay because they like it. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. it. Now, in my eyes, me personally, because I'm not a cow, I can only think I couldn't be that comfortable on top of another cow sitting in a puddle of piss and sand and all this other stuff. Because there were at least three or four of these little barn type silo things where they had thousands of these things literally on top of each other. And all they're doing is eating, pissing and laying down. In the older one, in the older little farm little things or the little silos or whatever, like all these old fans that don't even look like they work. They literally just hmm. kind of just moving. So if, so they, if they hot, they hot. I don't really know. But the whole it's like time, Tiger King on Netflix convincing you that these tigers want to be in the cages and that everything's okay. normal. The cows in their natural environment have fans that don't necessarily work. <laughs> and they're just laying on top of each other and peeing all day. That's what they do. I'm like, all right, I guess so. And if you oh, say so, it was they're they're social animals. That was mm-hmm. that was the big word they kept pushing. They're social animals, and they love to be social. And social <laughs> means being on top of one another, just waiting to get to the big farm or get to the big the big barn. And mm-hmm. the big barn is the automated barn. So they got about a thousand cows in that barn, who apparently. They they've had they're they're trained or they're just acclimated to what they're supposed to do because nobody apparently is like milking cows by hand anymore. They're literally just using robots. So in, in having the, robots milk the cows. Yeah. So they they had like first of all when we walked into this thing they took us upstairs and they showed us this arm where they had this little presentation. 
one of them little robot arms like they have in like a Ford plant and whatnot where they use to make cars. They had one of these things up here with this video presentation and it was it was all cool and sweet and everything. Yeah, but, and then you get to go see the barn where all these cows are on top of each other once again. But they have better fans and stuff. Like their fans look like they work. It look it looks like it's a little Bro. cooler inside. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell you what it's saw. Wait a minute, these, these milking <laughs> machines though—are they are they like? Do they set them up to look mm-hmm. human? Like, do they have straw hats on top of these machine no. heads and they that? I so mean, literally, like the places. Like, first of all, when they when the cows are ready to be milked, now the process for what they explain to us is is that the cows sit in a certain part of this barn and they know that they have to go and be milked. So they have to go through these gates and whatnot because they have these ID tags and whatnot in them that basically tell the computer that they need to be milked now. So they they step into these little milking pens that basically look like, uh, you know, the, the turnstiles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They look like turnstiles that just close on people. So the cow basically fits into this little turnstile where it has to be in a certain position where this robot arm comes underneath it with lays eyes and all this other stuff, puts the little little hooks up on the little on the whatchamacalls and just start milking it. See, I can't I I can't. Well, that, think that sounds that horrible. Because, that sounds I mean, horrible I, to me. You know, if I'm if I'm a cow, <laughs> at the very least, you could you could give me that personal touch and look me in my eye while you take my milk. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the cold steel of a robot, <laughs> bro. So I don't care what they said. There's nothing comfortable about that. About being locked in this turnstile area and having a metal hand come up under you and milk you for everything you got, and then the little doo doo doo. The ID goes off telling you, "All right, we good now. You can go back under the automated fan." Holy shit, bro. You know, I thought a lot about automation, about the things that people can be replaced in. The idea that machines will replace people milking cows never, never crossed my mind. I have to admit, you've opened up a whole new world for me. Holy smokes. They got machines milking cows now? And they're busy telling people the cows love it? What in the hell is going on? Y'all jumping what to the board when it's way too early. You didn't let me set the scene because all this seems technologically like it's very advanced. And I think because what's tripped out is, is if a cow hasn't been milked at a certain time of the day or whatever, like the machine doesn't allow because once they finish milking them, they go back through that same gate that points them over to where they where they're fed which is a whole other area where they're all sitting on top of each other and everything. But if they haven't been milked, it doesn't allow them over there. What? Yeah. <laughs> so they literally have to stand in this little area because they only got like six of these little milking stations and there's thousands of these cows in there, dude. And Bro. I guess they're in the pens at least 20, 30 minutes out of the day getting milked. So if they're if they not, they not going, if they're not getting milked, then they're not eating. So they oh. all, they like literally, you see them all kind of just standing in line waiting. It looked like, like, is waiting to go to the work in a factory or something like that. Like, they just listen, like, come on, dude. Like, they pushing each other out the way. Like, I need to get milk. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But all wow. the while, all the while they talking to us about it, they, they showing us 
all this wonderful technology on why, why they're comfortable because they're social animals. So in certain parts of this barn, they have these automatic like brushes mm-hmm. that are down like cow level. So like the cows get massages. So if a cow feels the need <laughs> to be rubbed, when you know they not laying on top of each other, they can go over by these automatic big brushes and like get get themselves rubbed and brushed. Rubbed and where? Stuff. So you Wait see a, a few of them kind of running by. Exactly. Like, like they like rub like their backs and their butts and stuff like that. Like you see some of them like put their heads in. It's mostly butts. It's like the butt brushes, basically. That's mostly what I saw. Bro. <laughs> so, then they got these little trudging things that just kind of pull all the crap along the, the floor and like gases it all down on the end because this place is very uh it's very green because they take all of that waste and all that methane and they use it to create energy in order to ruin the farm. Oh well so thank like, God. all that cow at least waste they're green in the way in which they're treating these cows. At least it's heck environmentally sound <laughs> when they're milking these cows or denying them food. Holy smokes. But it sounded like I'm like, wow. Your wife is in the chat saying that (laughs) the boy cows are automatically sold and the female cows are artificially inseminated? Yeah, like so all the cows that you see there are all female and essentially they're all pregnant. All the time. That's what (laughs) she's gonna say. All the time. They're just always pregnant. So like no, Hudson, they Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no bulls getting it in. It's just dudes with arms and getting it in and filling inside cows so, and inseminating so, them. So wow. they don't even, they don't even get a lick of pre- pleasure from this. They, they just got to get pregnant. And <laughs> they don't even know what's going on, and all of a sudden they end up pregnant. Like this ain't right. So they're hey. basically pregnant and getting milk constantly. Maybe it, it might depend on who's inseminating them. Maybe some dudes got longer arms. I don't know. Wow. That's, a, that's between the cow and who's doing the inseminating. I don't know this how much pleasure. This is enough. We've, we've, we have got to move on to the next topic. Holy smokes. <laughs> but I'm not doing it. This is, no, this is okay. too much. This is too much. <laughs> well, just, just to answer your question in regards to the milking, a cow can only, they only use a cow for six years of milking. Six years of milking and having babies, basically. After that sixth year, that cow is sold for the next process. <laughs> you know, I think that was the thing that struck the most with me. Like, so after after six years of this mess, you just sit them off and grind it up and that's, that's it? Yeah. And the lady ain't yeah. even, the lady ain't even highball these cows. They like, yeah, you know, when you go to all these, you get that 80%, 20%. Like, <laughs> hey, what? Like they not even good cows, dude. Like they, they it's that cheap wow. meat you go to Aldi's and get where you just can't go to like the regular meat market and get that good meat. You killing me, bro. <laughs> killing me. You killing me. Wow. I, I just want folks to know at home, all right? I understand there's a whole movement to say all farms are evil and these people are all just butchers and meat should not exist. I ain't one of those guys. I love me. All right. Y'all know me. Y'all know I love me. So it ain't about that. But I do believe in anything that is sentient being treated with a certain measure of respect. 
and ensuring that a sentient being stays pregnant 24 hours, 24 <laughs> seven, and well, is milked on a daily basis until it's then sent off to be killed doesn't seem all that respectful to me, but I could be wrong. Maybe I just don't understand, and maybe I'm just too sentimental about the whole thing. I think they do say that cows have a nine-month term, if I'm not mistaken. So they, they go through the whole pregnancy process, but by uh-huh. by the time they're two years old, they, they're able to have, like, more cows. So that's why the, the, that, that, that 40 to 80 calf birthing that I was talking mm-hmm. to you about with these thousands, I'm talking thousands of cows, dude. So it, it, it's possible that they have them 40, 80 calves a day. Hudson, how was your week? I mean, I, <laughs> I, tell you, I couldn't imagine for six years someone pulling on my nipples for six years and then they just going to send me on to the next process. Anyway, all right, look. <laughs> Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. You know, my week, my week, wow, that that was a lot, Jason. Man, uh, you know, well, as for me this week, I mean, it's been pretty uneventful. Uh, my my youngest, though, she, I, I found out today, you know, and this has been going on for some time, but I just really noticed it today. My, my youngest, she does not like open doors anymore. So, you know, she walking around patrolling for open doors. And when she see them, she shut the hell out of them. You know, open doors is not something that goes down in my house no more. Um, in fact, you know, I mean, y'all were talking about me and, and the little ball when I throw the ball and it hits her in the head on accident. Let me tell you what she does to me. Okay. I'm up there. I'm just, I'm coming in the house. I take off my shoes at the front door. I put them in the closet, right? Here she come. She just see the open door, and she decide it's time to shut this door, you know? And she just come behind me. I'm putting the shoes in there, and I'm just feeling something hitting hitting my back. Like, what what the, you know, what is going on? You know, like, like, like stop, stop shoving the door into me. Stop hitting me with the door. And it's, and it's progressively, like, getting worse, so it starts as a little tap. And then when she can't close it right away, now she's shoving the door and she just starts slamming this door against me. <laughs> and she does not. Wow. Like she, she don't <laughs> care that there's a big 230 pound object stopping this door from moving. She is planning on shutting this door. She walks past. She like, I mean, she like, what, what the fuck is this open door sitting here? And she's just got to shut it. <laughs> and I, I just I don't understand boy kids get a one track mind and boy they are just on it they do not stop so the, this week is doors who knows what it's going to be next week but you know it, like it's doors and it's one more thing if you give her some food right especially if it's something that she could easily pick up don't give her two of, of anything because she automatically takes the best one and the worst one, she'll just chuck it. <laughs> she'll just throw it. If you give her two French fries, she chooses the best French fry and she chucks the other. It's like, wait a minute. You, you could have ate that other French fry too. <laughs> you know, don't just start. So you can't give her two of anything. Cause she gonna keep the best one and just chuck the other. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, 
you know, on one hand, this is cute. On the other hand, I got to clean this mess up at the end, at the end of her uh, feasting. Like, yeah, no, no. That, that's part of that champion mentality you've been representing in your house. He only wants the best fry. You know, he ain't going to sell lower, lower grade French fry. I'm not putting that in my system. That ain't what champions do. I got to exactly. have the best I feel fry. that. I feel right. Champions don't clean up after themselves either. They got other people to do that for them. Get into my little Get it to my sister. You eat that hey, crap. You know, I, I ain't necessarily stopped her from this behavior because, you know, I just kind of want to see where it goes and how it manifests, you know. <laughs> but stop giving her two things at once. I'll give her one at a time. But even that's annoying, right? Because I got to stop every second after she shoves the first thing in her mouth. And I got to beg her to chew, mm-hmm. chew, chew, chew. <laughs> <laughs> and then I give it a second piece like two seconds later. Meanwhile, in my area, going through my own little dilemma with my daughter. So the we're finally coming up on the day. She has her three-year-old birthday party on Sunday, which uh, will be awesome. And then on Monday, we put her into school. And I know this is the third time I've talked about this on the uh on the podcast, but I can't help it. It's what's on my mind. I get to talk about what's on my mind when I say, how's my week gone? And what's on my mind, God dug it, is that I got to start trusting my daughter to strangers. It, it, it is finally that time, and it feels weird, man. Especially with, uh, you know, we've been having, she's got two sets of grandparents, and they've been the one watching her. Uh, my folks couldn't be happier <laughs> to let go of the responsibility. My dad's like, I'm gonna have all this extra time, and hey, I might, I might go back into the workforce for a little bit, get myself a little extra money. And, oh, wow. and they're all thrilled. They're all thrilled. Me, meanwhile, terrified. Still, we did find a really good place. I mean, we had an hour long conversation with the owners of it and feel really good about them, feel really good about their approach to having um, this this uh, daycare school. So, you know, I, I feel good about the, the people we're actually turning over to. But, you know, you just, you know, anything could happen. Anything could happen. And I won't be there. And it'll be the first time where I feel like something could potentially go down. She's going to need somebody. And family is not going to be with the arm within arm's reach to help her so it's just it's just weird finally getting to this point a little bit scary even though of course i always knew it was going to come so yeah you think about it too when i like this i i know i know it's scary on your part because you're the parent and you're not going to be able to do things but this will be her developing her independence as well you start thinking about it that way too like it's at some point in time you're going to get tossed to the side it's just what's going to happen not that's, only, that's what you really want as a, as a parent anyway. Like you wanted to be self-sufficient and be able to handle things on our own and stuff. I, I know the big stuff that you're talking about, obviously you have fears about and stuff, but mm-hmm. I know it's yeah. I'm not only, I am excited about what it'll do for her development because mm-hmm. I feel like not only will this help her be more independent, but also she's going to be around more kids, which means hopefully she's going to talk more. Like Samantha and I, we talk to her a lot. But we still haven't gotten her to the point where we consistently get the kind of responses and the back and forth that we want. 
And so we're hoping that by having more youth around her and more situations where she's forced to communicate in order to get what she wants or to feel closer to those around her, that that's going to help develop and improve those communication skills and spur along her development. So I'm really excited uh, uh, about it from that standpoint. Just wait till she start coming home with them stories about kids and you don't even know who they are. Let me tell you what Tiffany did to me. Like, who the hell is Tiffany? <laughs> right. <laughs> who are these people that you know that I don't know? Man, <laughs> took my braid and I went and I stuck my foot in her oatmeal. Wait, what? Right. What, right. what happened? <laughs> what is going on in this daycare? <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to those conversations, brother. I'm looking forward to it. By the next time we have this podcast, you know, I go through a couple of days of this. I'll probably find it's just going to be those you know, first couple of days where dropping her off, thinking about it the whole time. And, and that's going to be the worst part. You know, for this whole time during the pandemic, I've been working from home. Anytime I thought about Simone and wanted to know how Simone was doing, I could just get up and go see. Like, you know, she was always within directly arm's reach. So it's going to be just weird trying to get used to that being different. But in the end of the day, hopefully it'll be good for her. You were overall. spoiled. You were spoiled yeah. having your baby. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. I agree. Well, you see us <laughs> off at these daycare centers, man. It, it's like a it's like a scene out of a war movie, man. You you I mean, half the people in there are crying. You know, yeah. you, it's just it's just everywhere. You know, they're crying for their mama, they crying for their brother and sister, they crying for this, crying for that. It's just it's just yeah. all just and and when I and when I see that scene, every every time I walk in there, I, I give a quick kiss, uh, boot her in there, and let me get on out of here. Cause uh, and you can't coddle Jack. You know, is that hey, what it is, brother? <laughs> I can't. I can't. You know, I'm so. I sure can't coddle my, I'm not coddling my kid. I sure ain't coddling theirs because they coming at you too. So they, they, if they see a parent, they be coming at you. Like, and I noticed that right off the bat. You know, I, I come for a couple days in a row. They start waving at me. And there was one time where, where, where my daughter, she says, bye, daddy. When I'm leaving, the rest of the, the, rest of the daycare says, bye, daddy. And I was like, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it'd be, it, be, be a bunch of sad looks in there, man. It'd make, it'd make you feel a certain kind of way. You got to get out of there. Trust me, get out of there. The instructors wow. tell you, get out quick wow. because they don't want you lingering because it makes it worse for the, for the child because the child, the longer you stay there just saying goodbye, yeah. the child gets more and more attached and, and thinks you're going to stay, and that's not what they want either, so... Right. It's a tough deal looking at those group of kids. Get away from the windows, pretty too. much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. I'll 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 be sure to let y'all know briefly how it goes <laughs> when I finally go through it. I also just like to let y'all know y'all didn't let me get to the pig part of the uh, tour. Sure didn't. So, uh, <laughs> we will save that for the next episode. You, you can have a part two, brother. <laughs> now, I want to go ahead and get into our first uh, topic of the week, which is Ice Cube. For those who do not know, 
Trump administration came out with a statement today saying that the platinum plan that they released two weeks ago, some of the information that was in it actually came from discussions with Ice Cube regarding his contract with Black America, which is uh, basically a program he's been trying to push to get both parties to be more specific about what they're going to do for the Black community if they were to get elected. Ice Cube came out publicly today and confirmed the statement that he did have discussions with the Trump administration and assisted them in drafting certain elements of the Platinum Plus program. But what he also said is, I came to both parties, I didn't specifically call out to, to the Trump administration, and he said, uh, Biden's administration told me, we'll catch up with you after the election. Whereas the Trump administration was willing to have the dialogue right now about putting some things in, in place on paper to say what they would be willing to do. And so Ice Cube, of course, a lot of people came out publicly and said that this is a betrayal of the black community. And how could you be willing to have sit down and have this dialogue with someone like Trump and Ice Cube basically came out with this perspective that both sides have been very negative towards the black community. Both sides have done a lot to damage us and one side is going to win. And we should be willing to do whatever we can to get concessions from the side that wins in order to improve the black community. And therefore he shouldn't really be looked upon poorly or held accountable for being willing to have this dialogue with Trump. So I felt like this might be an interesting conversation for us to have. First and foremost, before we get into the actual substance of him having this conversation with Trump, I want to talk about the timing. Because even before this occurred, even before the Platinum Plan came out, when Ice Cube started having these discussions on Instagram about the community and about whether or not you should vote, What a lot of people were saying is you should have started this back when there were seven or eight people running for the election and they could have tried to present their plans to convince the black community that there's someone that could be trusted. Doing this now when the election is essentially between Biden and Trump is detrimental. And instead, all the energy and focus should be on trying to get as many black people to turn out to vote as possible. And I was curious, how do you all feel? Do you agree with Ice Cube trying to push this right now at this point in time in the election? Jason, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't agree with just the statement of doing it back when it was seven or eight candidates. We're talking about from the Democratic side, obviously. That Mm -hmm. was all null and void and whatnot because Obama wanted Biden to be the presidential candidate. He literally called everybody else and told them, you know, hey, shut it down. Because we need Biden to run this. So whether he'd have brought it up back then, and it ain't no guarantee that Biden was going to, you know, adhere to it or even bring it up or even had thoughts towards it. So to bring it up there was a moot point because you wasn't going to have a bunch of candidates who would have actually, even if they were pushing it, it, it wouldn't have helped none because they didn't want any of them other ones other than Biden to be the candidate. I don't know what other time you would do this. Ice Cube. Even though he reached out to both, and just the answers that he got from the Democrats and what he got from the Republicans kind of speaks for itself. Uh, Trump going to win. And he's hey. going to still be president. Hey, that's what you feel? Do, do you? <laughs> Look here. 
in, in, in your heart of hearts. Uh-huh. And the way you even feel about Biden right now. We we've had this conversation. And we and and we know who you wanted to be the presidential candidate for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't even feel good about your vote for That's Biden. True. Do you really believe any of these other people who don't feel good about it are actually going to vote for him just because? I I agree with that point, but I also feel like there's a ton of people that voted for Trump and before and don't feel good about it and probably ain't going to vote for Trump. And to, my, so, and, and, and to your point on that one, and that's the only thing that kind of confuses me on it and just the conversations that Ice Cube is having with the Trump organization. Like, so are you going to start telling people to vote for Trump because he made some acclamations or he made some pushes towards what it is you sat down and talked to him about? Because no. what he is proving is, is that if you don't do stuff for him, he ain't doing shit for you. That 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 was all the statement when he pulled back that uh when he pulled back the uh the money plan. That, that yeah, I don't know why my mind is going crazy right now, but yeah, platinum, platinum plan, not the platinum plan. I'm talking about uh for the folks that's out here, they ain't got no money, no rent. This the stimulus. Oh, stimulus. He pulled mm-hmm. that shit off the table, and the, his statement was, is, "If I win, you'll get it." So, I mean, just for him to go in and, and make this plan up and talk with Trump about it, and just because he was open to talking about it, don't really mean nothing in the simple, just like it didn't really mean anything when he brought it up in the first place, because the only way we're going to get it is if we vote for it. That that, that kind of sounds like it, it's going to have to be the next conversation to have, Q. On, if on if a- you want that platinum plan to work for the black people, sound like you're going to have to come out your body and tell people to vote for Trump. And I don't think that's going to be good for you. So two things. One, he has not said anything uh, whatsoever thus far about more people should support Trump or Mm -hmm. folks should vote for Trump or anything like that. And two, I would say it's not fair to to put that on him, to say that where you're basically pushing people towards Trump, because at the end of the day, he presented it to both. And the Democrats chose to say no, we don't need to respond to this. We don't need to present any sort of real plan right. for the black community. So then it's like, if he's putting it out there and only the Trump uh, campaign wants to do anything about it, is that really Ice Cube's fault? I don't think it's anything or blame or anything like that that would be involved with it. I mean, this is a brother and whatnot who's trying to do something for his people. And he brings mm-hmm. up an excellent point of whatnot. It's like, the only, we don't have to work with whoever has the power. At this right. point, and even you've made the statement just like he did, what it's like we have to make these people that we vote in do what we want. And, and, and I know it's the voting process, and it's just like you said, it's going to have to be some kind of pressure put on these folks that's going to have to make this happen. So when it comes to blame, I don't, I don't think it's anything to blame him for other than the fact that if if we end up with this dude for the next four years, we gonna have to, we gonna have to figure something. We just gonna sit here and call him a racist and everything else, and call him out his name for the next four years and ain't shit going to happen until we vote the next Democrat in who mm-hmm. might possibly not do anything for us either. So you're going you're gonna to have to work with what you got. So at, at the end of the day, you're comfortable then with him presenting this plan right now? I mean, I, I'm comfortable with anybody who's, who's trying to at least be a voice and who's trying to make something better happen for black people just for our culture, because nobody else is, nobody else has any motivation to do it at all. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we've got some folks and whatnot that in the, in the, in the Senate and, you know, you got AOC and the rest of these other folks, but 
you know, they them hardcore radical leftists that nobody, that everybody think that they're going to blow up the country. I know they had a beliefs in how they want the country to be, but just with the conversation, I believe that Obama had with all these other candidates to have them stand down and let Biden be the next one. I feel mm-hmm. like if this just say for instance that Biden won the election, this would be the last, this would be the last generation of that particular type of democratic party because Nick four years from now, Democratic Party, I think, is going to be completely different. I agree. I certainly hope so. Um, I also agree that I don't have a problem with the timing of him trying to push this because, again, I I feel like it's better to push something like this when the candidates are clear, Mm -hmm. when you know who's going to potentially be president. And I don't understand how you can demonize somebody for saying we need to have a discussion about what either administration will do to support the black community. Exactly. Exactly. I don't, I don't understand how you can demonize a person for saying that ice cube was open. He said, I approached both parties and only one party was willing to have the dialogue. Now, again, I'm voting for Biden. I'm voting for Kamala. That doesn't mean I don't have to pretend that that's not problematic, that they don't feel like there's any sort of responsibility in order to present this information. And please don't tell me, well, if you look on their website, you'll see what they're going to do. If you want to know what a candidate's not going to do, look at their website at their list of promises. Mm. What they're actually going to do, they say from the podium. And the fact of the matter is neither one of them have really communicated this plan for black economic empowerment from the podium. In fact, most of the time when they're talking about black issues from the podium, it's about police brutality. And it's about the protest. And usually what they're saying is, hey, I believe in the protesters' right to do what they want to do, but I don't believe in defund the police. And I support the police and believe we need to just find a better way to support our police officers. Mm-hmm. That's been the consistent tone from Biden. There's really nothing about what is actually going to be done to help improve the economic circumstances that black people are facing. Why can't, why is it wrong to force a discussion about that? Uh, Hudson, do you have any thoughts? I I think if he was trying to push uh, Trump to be president or anything like that, I think he would have came out right off the bat and said, you know, the Democrats told me to wait. And and no, he he only came out with that info after after Trump put him on blast pretty much and said, hey, uh, you know, we were working with Ice Cube as if this was a, you know, uh, I'm going to use that word we used before the broadcast, as if this was some bipartisan, you know, thing they came up with. Q presented his plan to both sides, and Trump and them decided to take a piece of it because Trump is an opportunist. That's what he is. He decided to take both. He decided to take some pieces from it as an opportunist. He decided to say, hey, I've been working with Ice Cube. Well, (laughs) it don't. I, I don't believe that they were working together. I believe that, yes, they probably did contact Ice Cube. And Ice Cube said, well, yeah, this is the plan. Here's a few elaborations on some questions you had. And that was probably the end of the conversation. Trump and them made their plans and then put out their platinum plan. I mean, that's, that's as simple as that. It's the same thing any of us would have done. You know, um, you know just, to, just to, if he were to only put out that plan to Democrats, it would have went against everything he's been saying, which is we shouldn't guarantee our vote to one side or the other because we lose our power that way. 
you know, it's by guaranteeing the vote, we it, it's basically just as much power as not voting. <laughs> you know, we can't just guarantee it. Right. You know, w- without some type of this is what we want. We have to we have to say what we want and put it out there and hold them accountable. But if they know we're going to vote a certain way, well, then what what's the use in either side campaigning to us at all? So I totally I, I agree with his message on on that regard. Um, I don't think we're going to see any, hey, go out for Trump, you know, campaign stickers on the back of his car or or any signs in his in his yard going Trump Pence. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he just put out what actually happened because with the way Trump said it, yeah, it it made it look like that hey, Ice Cube is a part of his cabinet now. He want to verify and just explain that hey, that's not the case. <laughs> Here's what actually happened. You know, and and I and I think that was uh, that was about the only thing he could do and the only thing he should have did. So Trump came out with this statement, said had basically tried to tie himself to Cube and present himself as the only candidate that felt strongly enough about black economic empowerment to come out with a platform. Was Cube right to be diplomatic in his response, or should he have come out in a statement? On to some degree disavowing the Trump campaign. No, I mean I don't. I don't think he he should have. I don't think I. At the end of the day, you present information and you let the people decide from there. You know. Um, you know. I, I, at the end of the day, you have to trust the people. You know, to a certain extent. Uh, for me, I I don't need him to disavow anything or or I I think what he said was was enough. I think what he said was, was again, based on statements he has said before, he had to say that. He, he can't come out now and say, no, no, uh, I don't have nothing to do with Trump. I hate that dude. You know, he, he's a fucker. You know, don't, don't vote for him. He, could, he couldn't do that after what he's been saying. It would go against everything he's been saying to all of a sudden guarantee a vote for, for Biden. So no, he he couldn't. No, I don't think he right. should have. I, I think he has to keep his message the same, which is don't guarantee your vote. Your vote ain't guaranteed until you until you put that ballot in, and that's it after that. But you know, I, I think he again he did right. I think it kind of goes back to the whole. I think he thinks he's going to win. So, <laughs> I mean, you don't want to burn a bridge, especially when you're only in the midst of building it. So. You know, to, to come out, to, basically, he came out with the response that was necessary. Like, hey, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I'm nobody's lap dog or nothing like that. Yes, I sat down. Yes, I had a conversation in regards to how my people, are, my people are being treated, and what we expect of our president and who's going to be voted in, whether we vote for you or not. And that's mm-hmm. just a fact. It's like that. Just because we we not playing fucking blackmail here. We not to say what this country is built on. It's it's. If you get this power, you need to be taking a look at what we asking for. Otherwise, you're not going to have the power that you want. Because, and that's just how it goes. And then don't sit up here. Don't do not do that Dr. Fauci shit to me. Don't fuck around and throw me in a commercial and whatnot. Like, I'm a yay for Trump. And, and impose <laughs> some Trump signs or a MAGA hat on top of my ass. I'm still a nigga. I'm still a motherfucker who said fuck the police. All right? <laughs> But right now, shit, he, I make money, and I'm trying to make sure my brothers and sisters are trying to make money too. So yeah, for him to come out and be like, "No, fuck him," I ain't saying none of that shit. 
to be diplomatic, I mean, that's what it is to be an adult or <laughs> to deal with the political arena as it is. And I believe that he believes that Trump is going to win. You're not the only person who, you know, ground level person I've heard who said, who strongly believes even at this point that Trump is about to win. And I agree with you that Ice Cube's diplomatic response to Trump trying to tie himself to Cube uh, tells me that Cube thinks Trump has a very strong chance of winning and that it's in his best interest to remain diplomatic in case he needs to figure out how to work with Trump on behalf of the black community. Considering all that and considering where some of this momentum seems to be, does the Biden campaign need to do anything? Do they need to try to curb some of this or or put themselves into the conversation? Or do you feel like they should keep doing what they've been doing, which is basically staying completely out of it and ignoring the whole dialogue? Hudson? Trump's platinum plan has just kind of flown under the whole, flown under the whole radar. He said it and then... You know, it's hardly even really talked about until Trump decided to try to blast it again by saying he worked with Ice Cube. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that it because in the grand scheme of things, it's the the package they're offering is so underwhelming that it that it's not being really talked about by anybody of of any major great importance. Really, I mean, it, it's. It's like I said, like I said, when this plan, when we discussed this plan, you know, a few weeks back, is that this is this is a drop in the bucket compared to the amount of money that passes through America's hands. So, you know, and, and we'll talk about Chase later on. Right. But Chase is offering more than this platinum plan is. So what I would say is that it's still not enough, nowhere near enough. So I, I just don't see what what they're going to come up with. That's going to be of any great importance to even really be even be talked about. What do I want to do? Yes, I want to address it. And I think if they were really to address it, I think it would it would change the landscape of this election. Um, but the question is, in what direction? Because just like Black America would love a substantial and and great plan, you know, would the plan that we would really accept be acceptable to others? And and we would have to look at that too. Mm-hmm. Like, how much would this change the landscape? Would it do them any harm or good, really, to come out with something? And I think Democrats as a whole decide to try to stay out of that type of conversation because they know even amongst their their other supporters, other than Black people, it might cause a, a bit of a stir. So I, I I think the best plan for them probably is to say nothing. Even speaking from the perspective of a progressive, you know, someone who is was in the corner of a Bernie Sanders and the AOC. I say even in that hyper liberal wing where they're all about Medicare for all and free college for all and and that kind of stuff. There's also a strong element of identity politics, quote unquote, are part of the problem. And if you're making policies regarding specific genders or specific races or things of that nature, then you're just pandering to a group and you're not putting forth the real policies that are going to help change America. So I say even in the the wing that should be most strongly in favor of the black community receiving the help that it needs, there's still a strong contingent who would be upset if a plan was produced that would really get the reaction that we want. 
But at the same time, I say that even though even though we can we can understand that and say maybe we shouldn't be demanding it of Biden or maybe it shouldn't be the litmus test for who you will and will not vote for. I think it also means that we shouldn't be calling our brothers and sisters coons whenever they're willing to step up front and say, well, I believe you should be offering more. And here I'm going to provide you with a template you could try to use for what should be offered to us to improve our, our own sense of economic empowerment. We shouldn't be telling these people that, no, you should just be telling folks, shut up and vote. You know, I really don't feel like Ice Cube should have to deal with this whole this whole wave of prominent black figures. You know, it's not like these are just regular okie doke folks. You got these prominent black figures coming out, basically trying to call him MAGA and saying that this is a portrayal of the black community. I, I don't feel like that's right. I feel like there's got to be some level of balance. Do we have to uh, demand he do this in order for the vote? No. You know, okay, fine. Because he may not be able to win if we do that. I understand that. But don't demonize folks who say that after everything we've been through, we should be getting more. Hey, he hasn't done anything to suggest to who he's voting for one way or another, in my opinion. Um, you know, and and any mm-hmm. candidate has a chance to win. I mean, some have better chances than others. Um, but what we have to look at is even if Trump loses, right, it, he's still a former president of the United States. And that holds some type of pull somewhere. How much pull exactly? We won't know until after he's out of office. But it still holds mm-hmm. a certain amount of pull. So it's not like he's going to leave the public arena or leave the political landscape, even if he loses this year. And it's not like, you know, as long as the Constitution, all that stay the same, even if he wins, he'll be out in the, in the next four years. It doesn't mean he goes away, just like Obama didn't exactly go away. Right. That doesn't happen like that. Absolutely so not. so even if you look at it from a standpoint of you believe Trump, you believe wholeheartedly Trump's going to lose. So you say, fuck him, you know, that that still should not be the case mm-hmm. because you st- he's still going to have to be dealt with on a political landscape. So we, we got to remember that when lose or draw, he's still going to be around and he's still going to be Trump. I appreciate the fact that the man stepped up and became a voice. Number one, and it wasn't a voice that pandered to anybody. It wasn't it wasn't a voice of just talking about what could be good. He stepped in with an actual plan, mm-hmm. with an actual opinion, and took it to the man who was in charge, who might, who, who great as well, probably wasn't paying him no attention at all, and did exactly what he would normally do, is just take, oh, I had Ice Cube come in, and we worked out this beautiful plan. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful plan. You know how it right. ass Jack I talk. <laughs> Everyone and, says and so. The fact that he came. Terrific plan. Everyone says so. <laughs> 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 I take Ice Cube's voice over Kanye or any other black folk or what that that have been in that man's office that they didn't all took pictures around him, all them black preachers and everything else that they didn't all sat down and patted him on his back and said he was the best thing since sliced mm-hmm. bread for black people and everything else. I appreciate mm-hmm. the man stepping up and making the voice to say this is what my people need and this is what my people want. And I haven't mm-hmm. seen anybody else do that. All I've heard motherfuckers talk shit. That's all all you hear them all day. Well, we hate Trump, Trump, the orange fucker, and all the other bullshit. You can do all that all. You can do that for the next four years if you want to. But guess where that's gonna get you? 
What's going to happen? If you can't sit down and talk shit with the devil for a minute, because you're going to have to fuck around and do something, otherwise you be going to suffer. And that's just what mm-hmm. it's going to be. If you ain't got somebody strong enough to step into that arena and shit and, and, and actually have a conversation with this dude, then all the shit you're talking about, I'm, we all going to be sitting back waiting to vote again. That's what it's going to be. We just we going to have hope again in four years. They go, we going to vote again. And they going to pull <laughs> some other asshole and shit out the damn shovel that ain't nobody going to want to fuck around and vote for. Ain't nobody going to be happy with voting for. So fuck around, work with what we got. And at least he did something. He's the first one that did something I didn't seen so far. <laughs> name, name somebody else, please. I wait. <laughs> Shit, I, I'll mm-hmm. take Ice Cube's explanation over it before I take Kanye's. I tell you that. And who, who the hell started picking all these rappers and shit <laughs> to be the damn voices of the black community? And that shit kick off and shit. Who next? Yeezy. Hey, I mean, it's kind of always been that way, hasn't it? Well, the last time I heard the shit, motherfucker, Dave Chappelle said, "Stop taking advice from rappers. Let's find <laughs> out. Let's find out what Ja Rule thinks. We don't give a fuck." <laughs> 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 Hell, but, at least Q said something sensible. At least he said something that made sense. It's it's always been that way. The the, the rappers pretty much speak for the black community, well, and that speaks. Need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> that speaks to our lack of leadership. There's just a, a complete lack of people in our communities that are willing to step out front and and try to say, you know what, I'll do, I'll do my part to try to help right the ship. Since we're on the topic of investing in the black community, I think this is also a good time to talk about J.P. Morgan Chase. So last week, J.P. Morgan Chase announced that they are going to be investing thirty billion dollars into black and brown communities. And I'll give you a a brief breakdown of how this is supposed to work. They're going to put $8 billion towards uh, originating an additional 40,000 home purchase loans uh, for black and Latinx households. Um, They're going to help an additional 20,000 black and Latinx households get lower mortgage payments, um, putting $4 billion towards that. They're going to put $14 billion towards financing an additional 100,000 affordable rental units. And they're putting up another $2 billion to create 15,000 loans to small businesses in majority Black and Latinx communities. Um, And then finally, to cap it off, they're going to put $750 million. I'm sorry, they're going to spend an additional $750 million with Black and Latinx suppliers. Um, So it's definitely a massive push to invest in Black communities. Do you all think this is a response to the activism of Jamil Green and some of the other people who have been on, you know, a boycott J.P. Morgan Chase uh, campaign due to um, uh, unfair practices? That have been exposed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, they even went as far as to say that it, that it was uh, a lot of this was because of of his efforts and and some others. So they they've been on record as as giving him uh, credit to to some of this. So, but the fight ain't done, and I think that's the key to this. Again, I'm I'm not impressed. I know these numbers uh, again. These numbers sound impressive. Remember when we use these numbers, a they're not just giving this money, right? They expect this money to come back to them <laughs> with interest. Let's say they're spending seven hundred fifty million. They were talking about they're expecting 
you know, a, 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 a few billion to come back to them at the end of all this, right? So when they keep saying as if they're giving, right, we got to remember what type of business they're in. It is a step in the right direction, but what we have to look out for is is we're in the middle of, of, a, of a COVID, a bad COVID situation, right? Which meant economically that this whole country was kind of falling apart for a little bit, right? So again, when I look at this, how much of this really is COVID relief versus, <laughs> you know, again, it's like, you know, you're picking a fine time to now say that you're going to do this when we know that there's going to be recovery efforts all throughout the country because of this. So it's kind of an easy time to say, hey, you know, we're going to, we're yeah, we're going to help you now. You know, great. After, after a lot of us have lost homes or will lose homes, after a lot of us have lost businesses <laughs> or will lose businesses, we're going to help you. So that's why I say the fight's not done. And and I I've been, I'm on uh, Jamal Green's page, so I, I see it. And his response was, "That's great. We still got some work to do." So, so that's that's my feeling. Yes, he was involved. He definitely helped move this needle, and uh, he knows as well as I do that there's still some more work to do in that regard. I don't know. Usually, I am very pessimistic, and I'd be right there with you during this COVID recovery period. There's going to be a lot of money thrown around to try to help rebuild these communities and get, or really just to get our economy back on track. But I've never felt like banks were a part of that. You know, like banks are not the ones who are going to overextend themselves to help out the economy unless it's the Federal Reserve. And I do agree that these are loans. Chase is going to get their money back. So it's not like they're making this huge sacrifice, but I do feel like it's on some level an admission of wrongdoing, especially when they're not really trying to push back on the perception that Jameel Green is a major part for, of why this is happening. You know, And considering how strongly I know some of the lower level Chase employees feel about <laughs> Jamil and some of his uh, little demonstrations and <laughs> his altercations with them. I feel like they could easily take it a step of this was already going to happen. We did this because of COVID, because we want to help build these communities back up. And basically pretended that all this, all the information that we've heard about Chase beforehand doesn't even matter. And that doesn't seem to be what this is. And so from that standpoint, I do appreciate it. And I also appreciate it because my hope is that other banks are going to jump on this and do kind of do the same thing. Feeling like, okay, we, we all need to kind of change things around and be more equitable in our practices towards the black community so that more people who are trying to open up businesses or own homes have access to that money that has long been denied to us. Um, which kind of leads me into my next question. I think to some degree, Hudson, you answered it. Should the black community be demanding more of Chase? Okay, here's a, here's a statistic that they, that they put out that, that stands out to me. And, and this is regarding Chicago specifically. The statistic they put out is that we're going, we plan on improving 
the amount of home loans offered in, in those communities to those residents uh, up by 60%. That stood out to me because when you, when you look at the percentage of home loans they've given them, <laughs> given us, <laughs> you know, what was the staggering number of 1.8%? So how much is 60% more? 60% more of zero is still zero. So when I look at that figure, I go, I'm not really impressed. I think, again, we have to look at it in perspective mm-hmm. and, and go, this is this is not it. I read somewhere, and, and in looking at the economics and, and some of the issues that we have, right, is that, hey, you know, in 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 the white community, right, they say that when you spend a dollar in there, it's some ridiculous uh, amount. It says before it leaves that community, it, it circulates around there 37 times before that dollar leaves that community, right? And I think it was some ridiculous number like that, as opposed to a black community where it was some ridiculous low number of like six or seven times six hours i think well uh, yeah yeah some ridiculous amount of time that it before it leaves our community Mm -hmm. right so you know when you know when we when we look at this number again we we got to keep in perspective that you know it's they're not doing anything that to me is a is out of any realm of what they were already going to do and b you know, it still doesn't help our overall financial literacy. We got to develop chains. We got to develop, you know, I mean, we we got to develop warehouses where we where we get our own product, make our own product. We got to develop, you know, our own farming systems where we're where we're from farm to table, where we can control this dollar. And and this what they're talking about does not create that. It does not set that up. So, you know what they do know is that through this COVID relief and as we come out of this in this economy, they're going to get a lot of extra backing from the Federal Reserve in order to make these loans, right? And they know this. They can anticipate that. that any of us can anticipate that. So this money that they're going to lend out will virtually be risk-free for a certain mm-hmm. amount of time while this economy gets back on its feet. So at the end of it, what we have to see is now, what's going to happen at the end of, of once they say, okay, it's back to business as usual, you know, where are we going to stand then? And that's going to be the real tell of this whole thing. But at the end of the day, this this is, again, this is, this is a drop in the bucket. It's a drop. That makes sense. Actually, I agree with you. I agree with you. When you put it like that, yeah, I understand it better. I agree. More work to be done. But I still hold that. I'm hoping other banks are going to do the same thing. And that this period of COVID relief is also going to translate to a lot more support and a lot more lending towards black communities so we can start building up the type of businesses that we want to see in our communities. But like you said, there's a lot more work that's going to have to be done for that. Moving on to our next topic, a militia <laughs> or several members of a militia have been arrested and accused of plotting to kidnap the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, apparently, <laughs> they, they, there have been 13 of these people arrested now. Apparently, they plan to kidnap Governor Whitmer 
and then take her to a different location where they would put her on trial for treason. They also uh, discussed taking Virginia Governor Ralph Northam in the same manner. Uh, they talked about multiple potential ways they could do this. Um, uh, so I, I only read this a little bit, but I know one of the options was they could rob a pizza delivery boy for his shirt and then approach the uh, her home at, as delivering a pizza with a pistol and ammunition and they take her that way. They also mentioned that once they uh, took her and put her on trial, they could take her out on the boat into the middle of the lake, disable the motor, and then leave her on the boat. Um, 13 13 members uh, have been arrested, and I think five um, had their hearing um, this, uh, this week. But apparently it, they haven't, I haven't heard them mention the specific name of the militia, but apparently it's a militia that crosses into multiple states. And there's the potential that more than just these 13 people are going to end up being arrested. So my first question is, you know, all of this occurred because they were livid at Governor uh, Whitmer about her mask policy, forcing people to wear masks and forcing businesses to implement um, social distancing policies at, at their place of business. So are you surprised that people are going to these lengths regarding Michigan's mask policy? And Hudson, I see you shaking your head, so I'll start with you. Well, you know, I I don't know, man. I'm, I'm surprised it's over a mask policy. I, I honestly, I can't understand how how mask somehow is in the same realm as my constitutional rights. I we we got real situations and real shitty things happening to people all over the world, this country, and and. And your thing is, of all the things to try to kidnap a governor about, you choose over mask and whether your favorite bar is shut down or not, or if they're following these policies. <laughs> I I am totally just kind of, I'm kind of like, man, the privilege is there. And how can anyone, you know, all these people who say, and, and I see these memes all over the place. Yeah, yeah, look at all this white privilege I got. Come on now. The, mm -hmm. <laughs> these people over, <laughs> over mask. I mean, could you imagine mm -hmm. a black militia uh, doing something over something <laughs> so trivial and saying that they're going to kidnap somebody mm -hmm. over something so trivial and, and actually try to do some dumb mm -hmm. shit, like compare it to a constitutional right? You know, I, I don't know, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm having a hard time trying to, you know, I, I try to look at things from all sides as much as I can, but I can't stand here and support, sorry, I'm sitting. I can't sit here and support the kidnapping of a governor, first off. That just doesn't sound like a good idea to begin with. Uh, but it, <laughs> at least you could, at, least, at least you could do us the courtesy of having a good reason for it. I don't know. I, that's just me. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'm wrong in this. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Somebody tell me something. Mm -hmm. 
Jason. This just gonna be a movie. I I hate CNN. I hate CNN so much. They oh my god, they are way too detailed. I, how the hell do they get their hands on these types of stories? Just sitting here reading this, it starts off crazy. Just some some dude who had a problem with getting out of high school. Like how hard is it to graduate from high school? It's not that hard. Leader. Yeah, about the, leader of the, the dude who yeah. started off in, in his old boss's basement <laughs> of the vacuum shack. <laughs> that's where that's where it all started, man. That, oh my god, this crazy! I thought I, without reading this, when I heard about the whole kidnapping of the government thing, I thought of like some ex-military, like some guys or whatnot that were. I thought it was for a reason. Like, oh, what, what did she do? Did she like? Did she cut some funding or something, or did, was was they mama on a ventilator and she shut them down? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you think it, it takes a good reason to get a good 13, 20 guys together, train across state lines. We gonna go drive out somewhere. We're going to train, train. We're going to train and have meetings. All the while passing stuff online, which is the worst fucking thing you could do. All they do is monitor online shit. They just told you that shit four years ago. Obama was watching everything. The whole administration. <laughs> all we do is sit back and we look for keywords. Yeah, all the ones you dummies said. <laughs> I, it just this, this just goes to show that not not only do we live in a world full of very stupid people, but there's there are stupid people on this in this in this country who are very motivated. And that shit is scary. Like just to be, just to be dumb and actually put effort into your stupidity to make it to make it flourish. And invite other people <laughs> who are like-minded as you are. Oh my fucking god! Like we sit here, we talk about building this community, right? Oh my Jesus! You, you got it. There's there's a community of these people already. That's scary. <laughs> that is scary. They started off in the vacuum shack, mm-hmm. in the basement, and how and how, and that's why I say I hate CNN. Because they make it sound like a movie when they write it. Like back behind the behind the vacuum suck section and the filters was this basement door. That was, <laughs> that was, that was where the magic happened. Boarded up. Once you remove the board, there was this to this staircase that led into this dark room filled with old cigarette lighters and <laughs> God. It's, 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 it's funny. If it wasn't real, you would think it was a comedy. <laughs> you would think Mel Brooks wrote this shit or something. <laughs> but I mean, no. I, I don't know. But I, I, I see people yelling about this stuff on Facebook all day long. They they hate this. Something, something about these masks that make like, the empire is coming. Like, right. like Emperor, Emperor Palpatine is coming. And he's he's just slowly but surely just setting so, the dark side on against the Senate and everything else. I, What's these masks? 
I'm glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. I think it brings me to my next question because I've seen a lot of the conversations about this online as well. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a couple of long threads about how this whole situation is essentially more demonization of poverty. That the reason these people are going to these extremes and the reason why they're able to be radicalized into these right wing groups is because <coughs> they're 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 poor. And they're being forced into these uh, very unfortunate economic situations. And that when you're feeding into this, this dialogue that these people need to be the need to be punished and imprisoned and ridiculed, you're basically feeding into more, you know, you know more people disrespecting the, the poor. And so I, I, my question is, do you all feel like these white ring groups or the people participating in these type of activities. Are they doing it because of economics or is it a form of privilege or even outright, you know, racism, right supremacy? Hudson, how do you feel? I mean, it's, I mean, it's a little bit of all of that. I mean, it's the reason why it, I think it'd be hard for a lot of us to accept the fact that, that this kind of gets fueled off of poverty is because they try to knock that out of our realm all the time, as if that we should be able to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and this stuff should never, you know, affect us as if poverty is never an excuse for our children or us when when something we do is wrong or anything like that. So we're never allowed that excuse. That's part of the privilege as part of the privilege that they have mm-hmm. is that they get to have that CNN story to, to kind of show how pitiful they are so that we should just kind of, kind of back off and kind of not judge them for it. They have that privilege. That's the privilege they it. have. Exactly. Whereas we don't have that. We get, we get the, we get every photo that we can possibly find, even if it's photoshopped <laughs> of us carrying a gun. I guarantee you, there's, 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 uh, there's no, I guarantee you, if I was to do something wrong tomorrow, the first picture that's going to surface is of me at that training class with the gun in my hands. And, and, and I bet they're going <laughs> to, they're going to Photoshop some type of black and mild in my mouth, you know, and, and say, <laughs> see, I told you, that's what they're all like. I mean, that's, that's. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a, that's definitely a, a part of it. But if we have to be real and honest about it, poverty is a thing and it does radicalize groups. It's radicalized groups, you know, for for as long as I can remember. The problem with this particular radical group is that they have no idea why they're in poverty. They have no idea that they're doing it because of poverty. They think they're doing it for out of some constitutional right. You know, they they don't understand even why this is why they're doing what it is they do. So they have, you know, they have no clue of what's going on. Whereas us as a whole, we, the, the wrong within our communities, the, the, the killing, the back and forth, the, the, any, any violent crime that happens in our community on a deep level, we, a lot of us all know it's because we're in poverty. A lot of us all understand that. Mm-hmm. And and we know why we're doing it. I, I've seen a million kids pass by that that know that I'm doing what I'm doing just to keep the lights on. I'm doing what I'm doing so I can pay rent. 
because my parents can't pay the rent mm-hmm. or, or I got a single mom who's struggling and I just want to get her something nice, you know? So, so mm-hmm. there's a deep level of understanding we have for the things that happen within our community that they just don't get. That you feel like they lack. They, they definitely mm-hmm. lack it because everything they, everything for them is to blame someone else is to blame the Mexicans who take their jobs, right? You know, it is it, it, to blame the black people for, for taking handouts. You know, all these handouts were taken, right? And, and our communities tend to look like this. Come on now. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not understanding. <clears throat> but, but, they're, but again, you know, I'm going to just say, you know, I made this argument before. It all goes back to education and how we're, you know, we're dealing in this indoctrination type education system that we have. And, and the whole thing is point the finger at someone else. So I, you know, for me, <laughs> I'm appalled by this whole thing. And just like Jason said, it's funny. It's extremely funny. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to call them what they are terrorists. I'm going to, I'm, I'm done calling them a militia group, by the way. I'm just going to call them terrorists because that's what yeah. they are. Homegrown terrorists. Yeah. Jason, how do you feel? The, the dude Fox had an emotional support dog. That just makes it even funnier. But he had an emotional support dog with a tag on a patch with the motto, don't tread on me. Now, if that ain't support shit, I don't know what it is. So we're talking about... So we're, just, so we're basically just talking about like the levels of poor and what people are going through. And like mm-hmm. more people seem to be more involved than than most should. Like, like you say, like in both black communities, ain't nobody really worried. That they, nobody's really worried about who the president is or their taxes or anything else. They worried about trying to keep their lights on. They trying to figure out where their next meal and stuff is gonna come from. Or the majority of them is just just out here fucking around out for the thrills and the chills and fucking around and just being thieves and just selling drugs and doing shit like that because it makes them feel like something. Right. Other than what they really are. You know, you got poor white trash like these simple bastards and shit who feel like wearing a mask somehow that they were going to become patriots against it. <laughs> and by doing it, shit, they were going to mm-hmm. kidnap a governor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, somewhere along these lines, I mean, like, if this is, if it's kind of like a demonation of the poor, I mean, I've... I don't I don't know of any arguments or anything like that, that that basically shoot the poor down other than just the basic treatment and the 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 legislation and everything that basically keeps these people poor. Because I'm sure these dudes probably work their asses off like everybody else do and don't have shit to show for it. And it's like let's just say they don't really know why. It's, well, it's because of the motherfuckers you picked. You picked an asshole and shit who said he was gonna fight for you, but he ain't did shit for you. He did a damn thing. He made all his fucking friends rich. And you fuck around and you go out to the polls with your Confederate flags talking about this is my president. He fighting for me. No, you you kidnapping the wrong motherfucker. You might want to go get his ass and shit. Hop over them damn fences and shit. If you think about it for a like if you think about it for a second, like, yeah, they, I'm sure this dude appeals to all they they right-wing feelings and all the hate-mongering and all the shit that they feel down in the pits of their stomach as they dig through the dirt and shit and as they walk their they emotional support dogs through dirt fields and shit all the time. Because apparently the black folks that's in a nice car 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. got a decent mm-hmm. job or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be or whatnot is apparently doing better than them. And that ain't the America that they imagine. I hate to tell them <laughs> this and shit, but they are part of the America and shit that did nobody want to imagine. I, I find it funny how, mu- how much rich white people <laughs> really dislike broke white people. <laughs> I've it's always amazing, found it, bro. I found that very interesting. Like, like they're the main ones that they gear towards when it comes to voting and getting them to back them up all the time. Like they're like fucking sheep. Yeah, we hate your guts, mm-hmm. but come on, give me them votes, get me in the office and shit. Nice. And they don't even realize it. <laughs> and it's weird to me. Like how y'all how y'all haven't figured that out yet? This is this has literally been going on since fucking. Who, who was the last worst goddamn Republican? Reagan? <laughs> Shit. I mean, Jesus Bush. Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I shot back to Reagan because, I mean, I think he was the perpetual beginning of it all and whatnot of this this slide of the Republican Party becoming these right. cocksuckers <laughs> and shit that just want to take all the money and <laughs> Tell everybody to go kill their fucking self and shit, basically, and whatnot. <laughs> then they still tell you, they still tell you they need their vote, and they still go out there and they tell them that they out there fighting for them, and tell. Mm-hmm. I bet you these motherfuckers think they middle class. I guarantee you that shit. I guarantee you they probably believe they middle class, and then, no, dog, you're not even on that spectrum. I agree with uh, Rich in the chat. He said Nixon was the one. Nixon was oh, the Nixon? one who really okay. started, who started them on that path, and I agree. I feel like Reagan is the one who made it pop- popular, but Nixon is the one who really, really started them o- o- on this track that they're on now. I don't know. You know, on the one hand, I absolutely agree that poverty is part of the problem. I feel like poverty is is the reason for a lot of problems that we have in America and that if there was a real focus on tackling poverty and improving it in this country, a whole lot of other issues that we're having would happen less. But at the same time, I get tired of when a a white person commits a terrorist act, everybody wants to start talking about the compassionate way to discuss this. But if a black person does the exact same thing, it's throw the book at him. He's an animal. And, And I, I feel like it's not um, it's not typical or whatever to say that. I feel like it's facts. It's it's a situation we're presented with time and time and time again. It's just like drug addiction. You know, black people get strung out on crack, so we got the war on drugs. Lock them all up. Figure out how to punish these people and bully them into into conducting themselves the way we want them to. Opium epidemic happens. It's Oh, well, we've got to figure out how to help these folks. These, This is a health issue, and we've got to make sure they're getting the support that they need so that they can get better and improve their lives. It's like, I agree with all that. Can we do it on both sides? So absolutely, I agree. Poverty is a big reason why these people end up being radicalized into believing that these crazy actions are the way to go. But can we also look at what's happening in other communities that are just as impoverished and say, you know what? The reason that a lot of them are doing this is because of poverty. And if we want to help, if we want to make it better, the solution is not to lock up a bunch of people. And it's not to have the police on every other corner bashing as many heads as possible. 
The solution is to empower them and help them economically so that they can feel more empowered in their lives and they're not so easily duped into getting involved with nonsense. That That is the solution. I feel like there's just no conversation about that. None. None. Even when we're talking about this protest and stuff, it's all about, well, how do we support the police more? You know how you can support the police? Give folks more money. Give folks more ways to earn money. Like every time I see a job fair in my community, the lines go around the block. If there's anything that we have a massive amount of out here, it's folks who want to work. Laziness is not the problem. There's not a problem with they don't want to have to have a job. The problem is there's literally a lack of availability of opportunity. Like everybody just doesn't have opportunity. And we have to be willing to address that as as a country to help fix some of these issues that we're having. And I I don't know. I'm just hoping that some at some point we're going to get to the to a level where where we're really serious about trying to deal with that. Hudson, you were going to say something? I was going to say there's two things about this whole case that really scare me. You know, you'll always find some like-minded dumbasses who will get together about any one topic. And and I guess mask is no different. So, you know, that, that part doesn't scare me. But what does scare me is that there's two things. And the first thing is that the 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 FBI, I believe, was the agency. You know, they, they spend a lot of time infiltrating mm-hmm a lot of different organizations and, and, and for them, (laughs) and for them to, to feel like that they had to step in and arrest these folk meant that they, that they (laughs) thought these dumbasses were actually going to try to put boots to ground and actually try to do this mess. Now, not only did they arrest them, but they had an undercover member. Yeah. Which means that they identified these people as a problem and then said, we can't just arrest them. We need to put somebody in there and figure out everything that's going on because this is serious. Oh, well, well, on a lot of these groups, (laughs) they try to infiltrate them off off bat no matter what. Like uh, like they when they see a radical group, they try to infiltrate them to to see what the heck Mm -hmm. they're all about. So, you know, the fact that they had to mm-hmm. give up their operative and give up their whole operation in this group to go ahead and arrest them says that they were actually going to try to actually pull this dumb shit off. So that's, that scares me right there. Mm-hmm. Now, the second thing that scares me is that we had a sheriff in one of those backwoods counties who actually tried to defend what, this, what this, these group of terrorists we're trying to do actually tried to really? incite some laws that so basically what he was trying to say i can't <laughs> i can't recall his name but he actually tried to defend them and say he was actually shown in some photos with these groups at, at one, some other rallies mm-hmm. or something or other and he actually tried to say that hey they were actually you're you're saying they tried to kidnap her but maybe they were actually trying to arrest her and and I for me for a law enforcement officer <laughs> to to say that was was very uh, that now that type of mess scares me and and I you know and if they don't find a way to get that some bitch off the force 
I don't care how backwoods of a county it is. They need to get him out of there and do something with him right away. Because clearly you can't depend on him for, for major security if the governor happens to visit that county. So those are two things that scare me about this whole thing. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was craziness right there. Yeah, two uh two comments on that same line. Scott said, right, just a bunch of good old boys sharing pie recipes, I bet. Them and the police all sitting together. And uh, uh Rich was saying the local police uh more likely knew about it and did absolutely nothing. Yeah, they and probably brought coffee. Yo, <laughs> that's terrifying, bro. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying to think. That, you know, it's not just a bunch of crazy dudes in a room together thinking up nonsense. I mean, CNN talked about they were sending text messages trying to get ideas going back and forth on the best way to kidnap her. Like for so for anybody who's like it was just a bunch of guys, you know, shooting the shit and the FBI is making a a big deal out of nothing. No, these guys absolutely were (laughs) trying to figure out. How can we make this happen? And to think that the local police department would see what was going on, know that this could potentially happen, and think to themselves, this is cool. I'm going to allow this to happen in my county. Good luck to you guys. That's wild, bro. Well, you know, and and what's what's (laughs) even worse is that, you know, our governors depend on the state police for their personal protection. So, so, so if it, so if it gets to a local county and it gets through, I mean, you know, how, who knows how far that could go and how far this is seeped in. So it's already well documented that the FBI has let us know how much these terrorist groups have infiltrated law enforcement. So it's not a stretch to believe that they had a bunch of inside people. You know what this whole thing reminds me of? There's a show, I think I think I watched it on Netflix. It's a show called uh, Designated Designated Survivor. And it's about how, uh, it's about all of Congress and the president being in the Capitol at the same time as somebody blows up the building. So consequently, this really low-level representative ends up becoming the president of the United States, right? And trying to figure out how to run the whole country. But one of the major elements of the show is that the governors start feeling like, well, you're not the real president. Nobody voted you in. I don't see how you represent the uh, the country. So I'm going to just do we, we just going to do what we want over here and y'all do whatever y'all want over there. And so you got these these local figures, these local police basically making their own laws, doing what they want to do. And basically saying there is no such thing as a federal government anymore. We could we we should have a right to just live however we want to. Just complete and utter anarchy. And frankly, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. That sounds like some so, walking dead type shit. Six <laughs> <laughs> of people and shit just coming together, making their own worlds and shit. Like Jesus Christ. That's it, fucking it's, scary. It's, it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. All right, moving on to the next topic. Um, Hudson, you wanted to talk about, um, I guess you had, you've been seeing some threads on social media with people talking about Cardi B's music and saying that they believe it leads to 
young girls acting the way the girls acted in the recent Netflix movie Cuties, which a lot of people felt like over-sexualized um, young children. And you, you took some issue with it. You want to talk about it? Well, I mean, I just, I just think I, <clears throat> sorry, I just think that I, I remember, what, what was it, back in 91 or 92, I, I remember seeing a, a, a rap song, you know, called Pop That Coochie. And, and I, <laughs> and, you know, and, and I think my girl said it the best is that when they were saying Pop That Coochie, they wasn't talking about dry coochie. So they they were in fact talking about <laughs> they were talking about <laughs> WAP or WAP, however you pronounced it. They were talking about that too. So I just don't I, I just don't I, I'm trying to figure out when we're gonna get to a point where we're we're gonna stop trying to we, we just got this war on women that that we just can't seem to a come to grips that that we have this war going on and 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 i mean i guess if we can't admit that there's a war going on against women we we can't actually stop it because we we, we just keep having this i saw a video the other day um a couple days ago of a group of guys at a gas station who were basically harassing a couple of young women and the focus was on this one young woman who was just trying to get up to the teller to get to to pay for gas or or whatever she was trying to get up there from the teller but they, but there were like four guys mm-hmm. surrounding her and this this makes me scared right this makes me scared for when my girls get older what kind of mess they might have to deal with on a daily basis and you know and i i would challenge any any male listener, any male listener who listens to this, I would challenge you to have a serious talk with the women in your family and really talk to them about the experiences that they have had. Because I guarantee you, you would not believe the, the amount of sexual abuse that they have, that they have. First off, you know, just to give some background on my thoughts on this whole thing, Look up statistics on rape and sexual assault and see how many of them are actually solved. And that should show you right there what kind of what kind of attention we truly give to this and, and what we actually think of it. We, we don't think of women as, as women's bodies as being their own. And we show it by the fact that we, we don't hardly solve any crimes with regards to sexual assault with them. And. And, and when we think of sexual assault, people tend to think of the most violent ones. Well, you know, I, talk again, talk to the women in your family and, and see how often that they have just been groped at a bus stop, right? Or, or just been touched inappropriately or, or had things happen to them at work or and, and how many times they've just stayed quiet because they felt like that they, no one would listen or that they couldn't say anything for fear of, of retribution or anything like that, or just felt like that no one was going to do anything about it. Right. And, and it, it, and so when we take, when we take two women who are trying to carve out an existence for themselves and, and actually have, have proven to be pretty successful at what they're doing right now. 
And when we try to take them and try to twist it into some, you know, that, that, that they're the ones, you know, helping to perpetuate this, this hypersexualization of, of, of little girls in this society, I, I think shame on you. Because if, if they are a problem, then we then we we're dumb to to not think that 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 they're a victim of this whole thing as well, you know. And, and I don't know much about what they do because I, I honestly I don't listen much to their music or or really follow them. So I don't I don't know that they have a problem. You know what I do know is that whatever they're doing, it's their bodies, and they should have control over that. And, and I shouldn't, and just because I might view them as, as sexual, doesn't mean that what they're doing should be, should be imposed upon in any way. My personal feelings on that should be taken out of it. It's their bodies. That's the whole point of this. So I, I, I just, I hate that, that, that discussions about them would be even be in the same room or league as as what went on in this cuties movie especially when i think that that cuties movie i still haven't seen it it should have been a call to action for all of us so I, i'm i'm pretty I'm, right. I'm pissed by it you know it's uh i feel i completely echo your sentiments and while i understand how influential music and movies and art in general can be. I'm I'm very much so against trying to say that this movie or this type of music should not come out because of how it might influence my kids. Like, it's your responsibility to be your kid's major influence. And this is coming from a parent of a daughter who's deeply concerned about the type of woman that my daughter is going to grow up to be. I don't want my daughter to end up as a stripper. I don't want my daughter to end up as someone who, right, right, right. Exactly. I, that is not, that is not what I want my future to be 20 years from now. All right. So I, I don't want her to be in that mindset, but it's my responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen. It's not the responsibility of Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion to make music with my daughter in mind. Like, I, I, I just don't agree with the concept. And what I find really irritating as well, I feel like we only have these conversations about women, about, hey, here's what women are doing that might negatively influence other women. We don't have conversations when the new thug rapper comes out and, hey, this new thug rapper, what if he makes a whole bunch of young boys want to also be thugs and also, you know, running gays and run around with a bunch of money? I don't see those same discussions happening. And again, I just feel like it has no real bearing. When I was growing up, my two favorite rappers, DMX and Too Short, all right? I always said in my mind, if I was rapping, I'd be a rough rider. I'd be out there with the rest of them. Shirt off, holding a two by four, talking about stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop. Like, that's what I'm about. I grew up and I've been in the corporate world my whole life. All right, towing the company line. 
got married, <laughs> had a kid. Like my life has nothing to do with what you hear in DMX's or Two Shorts music because I was raised by two people who made sure I had a firm understanding of what life is really supposed to be about and that you don't allow your entertainment to decide what your life goals are going to be or who's the type of person you want to become. I feel like there's so many kids out there who are in the situation where they are allowing entertainers to tell them what kind of life they should have because they don't have anybody else. They don't have any models or any people in their lives who care enough about them to try to show them a different path. The solution to that is more black men and women being willing to step up and be model role models for kids who are not their own for people who are not directly related to them. The solution is not to say that every person who be, is able to become a major artist and make it up out of our communities now has to mold their music around what our kids might potentially need to listen to and make sure you dumb it down. Because if you talk too much about violence or sexuality or any of that adult stuff, well, you know, they can't handle it. And you're going to over-sexualize our children. No. No, like that is that to me is not the solution. I don't want to live in a world where everything that I take in or everything that is made for my entertainment is basically built for five year old kids. And anything made for someone older is considered disrespectful to the black community and not good for the black community. Jason, you got any thoughts? If Cardi B or Megan the Stallion have more influence over your children than you do, then you should kill yourself immediately. <laughs> Jason, I'm going to need you to stop telling people to kill themselves, bro. I, I, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of, I, I, I don't, I'm not fighting against the whole pandemic thing. I think we're getting rid of a lot of people that aren't necessary. And I would like the rest of them to just take themselves out. Uh, I mean, I think you said it exactly. It was on the head. I just, I mean, I grew up listening to Biggie, Pac, and I, I honestly, I didn't even really get into rap until I turned, became like a teenager and whatnot. And by that point, in and all music to me is just music. It's just good noises where I can kind of bob my head to. Some of the stuff they say in it, you know, I mean, it's irrelevant. It has to do with what's going on. I get it. You get an insight into what's going on in the communities with some of this music. This bullshit they're talking about nowadays, I have no clue what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> I'm just old, probably. But most of these mumble rappers, I don't know what the fuck going on. So mm-hmm. I just find like, I, I find it interesting that people are allowing televisions. And it's been like that for a very long time. If, if it wasn't rap, it was... It was other shows and whatnot that, that influenced kids to do things and whatnot that they shouldn't have been doing. So when you got televisions and you got radios and you got entertainers and you got all these other different people who have more influence in your child's life than you do, then you really need to do some real self-evaluation at that point. I, do you really need to have this kid? Maybe, maybe you should give it to somebody with a little bit more responsibility. Because maybe it's your fault that some of these kids are lost. And I hate, and honestly, and when I say it, I hate saying that because I I think it's very hard 
to get lost. There's a lot of emotions and stuff that a kid goes through that that can that can confuse and that can hurt. And it, it's it's horrible to be alone on that. And it don't make it no better that they hang around other people who are just as confused and as alone as they are, because all they're doing is making bad decisions. Horrible decisions, and nobody's guiding them. All they're being told is either they 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 the worst thing in the world and or they they are the devil. They, 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 shit, motherfuckers shouldn't even been born. Some of them out here have been told that. And it's crazy because the only reason that they shouldn't have been born is because they shouldn't have been born to you. Like I, I say it all the time, like, ooh, that baby, ooh. I, I'm sorry that baby was born to that woman. It's, I see it all the time mm-hmm. when I'm in the stores, when, when the people walk in and their kids be, they two-year-old be six feet behind them and they walk in the store talking on the phone. Like, do you even know your kid behind you? Like it's, I, oh, I feel so sorry for that kid. I wish you had something better. I hope, I hope you got a grandfather. Somebody stay alone for, stay alive for a long time. Something teach you something. I mean, and in regards to the whole cuties movie and stuff, I mean, we we made the argument, or at least I've made, I've established the fact that these are conversations that people are not having with their children. There are things going on in this world. Everything is sexualized. I mean, hell, they got sex on law and order for Christ's sake. I mean, hell, it's, <laughs> you you can't you can't avoid the fact that they are going to push sex on the population because it's what's it's what makes money. Now, if you have some kind of mind or if you have some kind of thought where you can actually have a real conversation with your kid without bullshitting them around. Or, or making them feel, or even confusing them anymore because you're telling them bullshit, and when they get into the real world, it's a whole other damn thing. I, it's, I don't feel like this. It, it, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with having a conversation with with your child. Give them the information that you didn't have. I think about that all the time when I talk to my daughter. Yeah, some of this stuff is real uncomfortable to talk about, but I, I find a way. I got to find a way. I don't get graphic. I don't go crazy with or nothing like that, but I try to be as real as I can. And I know she's 11 years. And at the same time that I'm trying to explain things, I try to remind her, you're just a kid. This ain't the stuff that you got to deal with. It really ain't. It's going to be out there and it's going to try and fuck with you. But guess what? You ain't got to roll with that. And if somebody tell you otherwise, you come get me and I beat the hell out of them. Right. You know what you I mean, know. and and then I really try to explain. And even and even in that thought, and it's just like I, like I said before, like they're going to be out here with other kids who are just as confused, who are being led by fucking entertainers and everything else, and that's when all that peer pressure and everything else is going to kick in. It's going to have it, you're going to have to have them uncomfortable conversations. You have to have them, and if you're not going to have them, you're leaving your kid out here to the wolves. You're leaving them out here to just figure it out on their own. And that don't work out for everybody. Yeah, Scott mentioned in the uh, uh, chat, he said, music is an expression of art and needs to be reflected as such. And that's basically the way I feel. And, And part of the reason that I have an issue with this is that I would expect that a person's art reflects themselves and what they've been through. Like Cardi B was being abused by her boyfriend, felt like she had to get out of that situation no matter what, and felt like she couldn't take care of herself any other way other than stripping. So she became a stripper. 
And she remained a stripper until she finally put out a rap song, hit it big, and then got to the point that she was able to to elevate and have enough money where now she does whatever she wants to do. Megan Thee Stallion has been tall and, and thick and, and model like her entire life. And she has talked in interviews before about even when she, the reason why she calls herself Megan Thee Stallion is because when she was a teenager, older men were coming up to her saying, you're built like a stallion. And at first she didn't know what that meant. So she went back to her mother and her mother let her know, like, they're basically saying that you're beautiful and they're commenting, complimenting you on your body. And so that's the reason she took that name. From a very young age, older men were seeing her in a sexual way yeah, and giving her, her sex. Come on now. Yeah. Giving her that type of sexual attention. So these are two women who have lived hypersexual lives you know they they this is this is what they've dealt with for years and to see that come out in their music and try to demonize them and say you're the problem with everything right now and why can't you make your music more wholesome like their music is true to what they've experienced if you want women to come into the industry who have something different to talk about then we should be trying to create a country where women have a different experience when they're growing up. How about we create a country where we treat sexual assault and how women are treated seriously and hopefully the next, you know, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion is going to have a completely different background, a completely different world perspective, and we're going to get different music from them. But you can't look at what they've been through and then be livid about the type of music that is produced by that background and and i understand the concept of a lot of these record labels they they specifically cherry pick the worst of us right they specifically cherry pick that person who's going to display the worst characteristics and then figure out how to be able to monetize that type of image right Mm. need but neither megan the stallion nor cardi b fit that mold these are women who are both essentially self-made in the industry. Cardi B became famous as a as a rapper because she became an Instagram star because people found her funny and relatable and warm and they felt good just watching her talk. She had half a million people on Instagram before she came out with a rap song. Megan Thee Stallion was on the mixtape circuit. She was going around in Houston, spreading her music. And she got popping because they were like, you're a female who's tall. You got that look. You're fine. But you can actually rap. You're not just saying any old okey-doke type of stuff. You have a different flow and, and spirit and look than any of these other females out there. These are women that are self-made. They weren't cherry-picked by anybody. So... To see these these black women who were able to come up out of their circumstances and make a name for themselves and then try to demonize them because they make music that accurately reflects their background, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It's because they don't rap about daisies and bacon pie and right. all the other stupid shit that most people who weren't abused their entire lives don't rap about and shit, so... That, fuck around, it's like I said, change, change the fucking culture and shit. Change the fucking shit. Y'all been beating women to death and shit forever. And then when they fuck around and try and make something themselves, you try to beat them to death even more. 
it's a fucking mm-hmm. it's a fucking world full of just a bunch of judgmental assholes and shit that need to go stick their fucking head in the meat grinder. I'm sorry. I know you told me to stop telling people to go kill themselves. I know. I, I have a very hard time doing this shit because we live in a whole fucking world and shit. That if you don't agree with it, 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 it either has to be stopped, it has to be demonized, it has to be it has to be shat upon. Maybe it, maybe you should just turn off your fucking TV. Maybe you should get off fucking Facebook and Instagram. If you don't like it, don't fucking listen to it. Mm-hmm. Apparently the people and shit that make them famous, including you hateful assholes that sit there and watch the video just to be angry. Right. <laughs> I got to I got to watch this whole thing to know why I'm angry and shit. No, you watch the whole thing because you like watching them popping their ass and shit on the screen. Because you just right. as fucked up. Plain fucking simple. And then you want to jump out the gate and think you're better than somebody and then start telling them it's there's a reason why other young people are, are horrible. Don't even get into that because the reason most young people are already fucked up and shit is because of the fucking the shit that we've been talking about for the longest time that needs to change. All this system, fucking all this racism and everything else. All it does is lead these kids into poverty and not want nothing for themselves. And they think their only avenue is to get up on the stage and pop their ass on a pole until somebody realizes or decides, hey, we're going to take it. We're going to use them in order to make money for ourselves. And we'll throw a couple of little dollars in their pocket and whatnot at the same time. So it's just a fucking cycle and shit that's just going to keep going on. Stop. And I want to fucking clear. business. I want to be clear. I feel the exact same way about male rappers, to be honest with you. Like, uh, I, I do see that sometimes there is criticism about a male rapper. Like, why can't y'all talk about something other than money, cash, and, and, and women? Or like when Soldier Boy came out and Soldier Boy had his little songs and they're like, oh, this is the death of hip hop. He's so horrible. It's like his music is a reflection of his upbringing. <laughs> like he's talking about the same kind of nonsense all the rest of these young boys talk about. If you want them to talk about something different, change the circumstances that they're being brought up in. If I'm in been spent my whole life in the projects, seeing people shoot and kill each other, selling drugs to survive, if I make it big and get it to the entertainment circle, that's what I'm gonna talk about. And it's it's accurate. It's accurate and it makes sense. But remember though, once you start making all that money, you won't be able to talk about none of that no more because you won't be no part of it. Hey, he making millions of dollars. He ain't in them neighborhoods no more doing it. It's always something. It's always fucking something. It's either you was you wasn't shit trying to come out of the bullshit and when you get out of the bullshit, you, there's no way you could have any opinion on it at the same time either. It's always something. It's always some stifling shit. Whether that somebody just want to, they they need to get their point across, and you gonna be the example of it. It don't matter if you fucking male or female, whatever the case may be. Tell you what, if you don't like it so much and shit, stop adding to these motherfuckers' bank accounts. Then stop talking about right. it. If you don't like it so much, because all you're doing is giving them the free press anyway. Instead of talking about them all day, I hate this, I hate that. Okay, great. Keep hating. That, that's why I love Cat Williams. It's just, he need you need more haters every day. You need more because <laughs> apparently you're making plenty of money off of them. Exactly. Well, exactly. you know, I mean, what what nobody really wants to wants to talk about it is is the way we raise the boys, the way we raise them, and and that's a that's a big part of this is. Is you know there's just like you guys said there's a market for this, there's a huge market for this. It sells, right? 
so you're attacking the people who are selling it but not the people who are buying it right yeah i mean they're not they're not going after all those people those thirsty dudes on the only fans they're not going after all these thirsty dudes <laughs> on the instagrams right. you know they, they they're not touching that you know they they're just they're just gonna go after you know we, we got a problem with you selling what we want <laughs> we got a problem with that and the reason we got a problem with that is because it's not your body to do it with you know we should control that body mm-hmm. you know and we and we should you know we should get it whenever we want and and that's the kind of attitude we got i saw a video of of a horse of guys trying to force two horses to mate right and 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 the female horse was fighting back so hard right and they just kept trying to force that male horse onto that female horse right and and the comments in that video was a pouring outcry for for the male horse who got kicked in his head and died right it was a pouring outpour of crying for that male horse oh. but not the female horse who they was essentially trying to get the male horse to, to rape <laughs> i mean you know th- this is the kind of thing that that as a society we Wow. I know y'all are trying to figure out where I was going with all that horse talk, but it's it's, <laughs> it's one of those things we we keep trying to we keep trying to I, I hate it and and I and I and I want to say because I know what you guys mean I don't you know I don't want my girls to grow up and and strip either, but I, I try hard not to not to demonize stripping, you know I try hard not to do that. Because, Absolutely not. Because you know, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's women who, are, who, look, in in my time in Vegas, you know, I I found a lot of different perspectives, and and you know, and and there's a lot of a lot of women who who go ahead and do that just out of the simple fact that it is great money for them, you know. There, there's a lot who who can mm-hmm. turn God, six yes. figures. By by doing it and and you know it may have not been absolutely may have not been their first choice but once they got into it they were like I mean they, they a lot of them would, would say there's no easier money out there for them and and I totally get that I totally get that it's selling and and it's their body why shouldn't they you know have a right to do it and and uh, it, it's mm-hmm. it. it I just hate that this whole we're, we're trying to, as men trying to control everything that they do, and and it and it also comes down to the abortion talks. You know, we we got that justice there trying to push into the Supreme Court. You know, and, and she re, and she definitely avoids the question. You know, with regards specifically to Roe versus Wade, whenever that particular question comes up. You know, she always tries to tries to you know backpedal on that one, you know, and and it's mm-hmm. clear of what she's going to try to do, and and I hate that we just can't get out of it, and I hate that it's a woman that's trying to trying to now force the government onto what women can do with their bodies. When are we going to stop? When are we going to stop? And and when are we going to teach our young men that it's not okay to surround a woman at the gas station? for other guys, you know, and think this is okay. 
to try to force her to keep blocking her off, trying to force her to give give them her number or something like that. Like, how could they not understand that this woman is scared to death right now? You know, and she's trying to put on a brave face, but she's scared to death, and you got some other dumbass filming it. You know, and and I I, I just it it makes me scared. It makes me scared. And and if you want to talk about what's gonna make me uh, train my daughters to be able to, to to be able to kill you with one strike, that's the reason right there. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure they know every pressure point. I'm gonna make sure they know they know as much technique as they can, as much self defense as they can, to to get them out of a situation like that. Uh, because you know I'm not always gonna be there to protect them, and I shouldn't have to be, right? So so this is this is a serious thing that we that we got to come to grips with in this country around the world, around the world. This is just craziness to me. Yeah. So um, uh, two points, and uh, then I'm done. One, I absolutely agree with the point you made regarding strippers. Let me make it absolutely clear. I have no problems with with strippers at all. Appreciate those sisters. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, when, I, when I say that I don't want my daughter to grow up to be a stripper, what I mean is I never want my daughter to be in a position where she feels like she's not empowered and doesn't have options. So most of the strippers that I've talked to in my life, they felt like they didn't really have another way to be able to take care of themselves. They had they had to be strippers like they didn't feel like they would be able to really support themselves doing another occupation. And that's what I fear for my daughter. I want her to have the, 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 the wherewithal and the freedom that she has multiple options available to her to decide what kind of career she wants to have and how she wants to take care of herself. Uh, Second point, you talk about control of a a woman's body. I feel like we've had multiple instances over the years, right, of similar highly sexual videos that haven't gotten nearly the amount of criticism and backlash that this one that, that Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion did. And I feel like the reason for that is in most of those other videos, it's clearly men in control of the women. Even back when Little Kim was doing it, everybody always felt like Biggie was the one really in charge and running everything. She didn't really have power. You know, tip drill. It's all Nelly and company, you know, throwing money and sliding credit cards down and down women and doing all sorts of crazy things. None of the women are actually in control. You know, you can go back as far as Uncle Luke. It's always a bunch of a bunch of brothers or a bunch of men basically in control of these women's bodies telling them what to do. This is the first time that I can remember a, a super highly sexualized video the whole way through where the whole way through it's women who are in, in, in charge and who are basically displaying their own independence. And I feel like that's one of the main reasons why there has been so much backlash. It's not just the people who are concerned about the images that my little girl is going to see. It's also misogyny. It's how dare these women try to stand up and and say that, you know, my body is great and I will sexualize my body in any way that I want to. No, a man should be doing that for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I feel like that is... 
uh, part of the problem. Jason, you were going to say something? No, I was going to just to bounce off that one. And maybe that's why I missed the whole empowerment thing. Maybe that's why I kind of lose the translation sometime in there too. I, I like the way you explained that. That was, I like that. That, that, that gives me a different way to kind of look at that too. Cause I, I had a problem with the whole empowerment thing stuff too, but like when you, when you explain it that way, that makes sense. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Let's move on to the last uh, subject of the day, uh, brothers. And as always, it's football. Talk about the news of football and, of course, the Bears. I want to start this off talking about Le'Veon Bell. Um, Le'Veon Bell, of course, recently got uh, released by the Jets. Um, They've decided that he no longer fits into what they're attempting to do. And we've seen multiple broadcasters come out at this point and speak on this subject. And from what I've seen, they're trying to paint Le'Veon Bell as someone who is a cancer and a troublemaker, as someone who uh, other teams should probably try to avoid based not up, not only upon his tenure with the Jets, but also because of how things ended with the Steelers. And I strongly believe that's unfair. You know, I, I feel like from the broadcasters to the fans, when a team does a player ugly, when a team cuts a player way before his contract is finished or they only pay him partially or they screw him over in some sort of way, the fans are always quick to say, well, the team did what they had to do. And the broadcasters are saying, well, hey, that's just that's just good business. You know, they've got to do good business for the team and everybody just moves on. But if the player decides to stand up, if the player holds out for an extended period of time, if the player basically makes it clear, no, you're not going to just do me any old kind of way, and you're not going to pay me what you think you what you think I'm worth. You're going to pay me what I think I'm worth. All of a sudden, you got all these folks standing up having issues, feeling like everyone has a responsibility to kneel at the altar of the NFL owners. So. Le'Veon Bell hoiled out for an extended period of time. I, it went well into the season uh, before. I, I, in fact, I don't think he ever came back to the Steelers because he was having a pay dispute with them. He was having, right, exactly. He had a, a pay. He had a pay dispute with them because essentially they wanted to pay him like a regular running back, which running backs typically get paid less than um, some of the other offensive members of a football team. And he demanded, no, that since you all are using me basically as both a running back and a wide receiver, you're going to pay me at a higher level, especially since I am leading the league in touches. Touches, for those who don't watch football, it means how many times does this football player touch the football over the course of a year? I forgot what crazy statistic was. I think it was like three, four hundred, three, four hundred times in a, in a single season. Le'Veon Bell was touching the ball, which means he's either running through somebody, getting tackled, you know, three, four hundred times over the course of a year where he's experiencing contact, which we have seen historically with players when they have that kind of uh, consistent contact, they don't maintain their skill level. Because you're just taking too much physical abuse. The people who have the only person in the history of the NFL I've seen who's been able to maintain that that much contact 
but still maintain the same level of play is Eric Dickerson. Everybody else, Terrell Davis, old <laughs> um, uh, uh, dude who came off the uh, Titans, Larry Johnson, all of these people, they drop off after about two, three years of that. You can't maintain it. So Le'Veon Bell held out, demanded more money, and was basically treated as a cancer both by the team and by the actual players. You had black men coming out publicly, basically calling him selfish and saying that he should come back to the team because he was demanding his money. Mind you, these same people, they don't never come out and say, well, the team did such and such a person wrong or the team shouldn't have let go of such and such a person. But when they feel like ownership is being threatened, all of a sudden they feel inclined to stand up. So now he's on the Jets. The Jets used him horribly, which is acknowledged by everybody who speaks about this, that the Jets is a horrible organization and horribly coached, and they did not use Le'Veon Bell properly. And it's, it's statistic stuff. There's no, there's no doubt about that. So now they've kicked him off the team, which is actually probably good for him so he can go to a place that can use him. But to me, to see the way he's being characterized, I feel like they always try to do this if you don't basically buckle down and say, okay, I'll accept whatever kind of payment y'all want to give me. If, if, if you become looked at as that guy that's actually going to demand your worth during contract negotiations, both the league and the media will come together and try to paint you as this sort of cancerous person, this selfish person. And I strongly take issue with it. I strongly take issue with it. Um, brothers, how did you all feel? Hudson, I'll start with you. Mm. Or Jason, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> Jason, I'll start with you. Did oh, you I feel one way or another about it? Uh, mm-hmm. Shit, I see it the way that... that Number one, it's just with the NFL. NFL ain't shit with a big-ass meat market at the end of the day. They they literally had these motherfuckers come out of college, and they set their asses on the fucking smorgasbord, and they got 32 fucking coaches and owners and shit sitting up in the stands watching them basically prove that they can handle the rigors of the NFL. They've been doing this shit for fucking years and whatnot, coming out of high school, probably before that, college and shit, but it turns into an actual meat market when it comes to them proving that they're ready for the NFL level. Now, when it comes to the position of the running back, the running back has been devalued over the last decade or so because of the NFL's want or need to get more into the passing game, which apparently is much more uh, marketable for the NFL. The the, the high-flying fall football is what's – gonna bring the fans this is what's gonna bring the money so the run back the running back position has been devalued so that's why you don't see a lot of running backs going in like the first to the second or the first or the second rounds anymore but every now and again or at least for the last maybe three or four years you've seen a few that have popped out into the frame and are, that are trying to bring value back to the position Le'Veon Bell was one of them folks who I think kind of was paving the way for the running back to get back into a position where they were liable, or at least they were, they were equitable enough to say, Hey, we deserve to make this money. And like Le'Veon Bell is one of those, I think in the, in the league that the way the league is now, I think Le'Veon Bell stands out because he's a running back that doesn't take 
as many hits as other running backs do just because of how elusive he is. And just like you said, some more like he's pretty he's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield at the same time, too. And he's 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 a running back and whether they can be used in a lot of different situations, too. So the fact that the man is demanding the money for the position that was basically laid out for him to be played. I I find it interesting that other players would actually have the nerve to actually speak on it. Like most of the time you don't even see other teammates actually make comments on what other guys are doing, especially when it comes to their contracts. So to hear that people on this, on this, on this Jets team, well, I, I think it was, I know Pittsburgh, the folks with the Pittsburgh the sell it too. I think mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, like they, 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 some of them guys, some of them get, they get a little caught up in themselves. So if you, if you had, like, if you were able to go back and talk to them after a year after that situation, and they didn't been through the mess that Le'Veon Bell or anybody else has gone through, I think they would probably have changed their tune at this point. They've been in the NFL long enough to know better. It's like you don't, you don't, you don't deal, you don't talk about no dude in his contract situation because he going through what he got to go through to make sure his mouth is fed and whoever else he need to feed. And they and most for most folks, it, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. They didn't just like bring it up. Like this was multiple conversations, and I can guarantee you they don't. Uh, that they have no reservations about it for whatever reason they feel like they're in the right but these brothers went so far and it was it was the offensive line who spoke a lot about it as well like marquise pouncey he they, they were coming money. out yeah exactly yeah. exactly and they were coming out publicly saying well this dude makes three four times as much as us so why should he be coming out saying that he needs more money like it's insane bro well if it's, it, if it's offensive linemen making them comments they need to shut the fuck up because of course they unless you're a left tackle you don't make money that's not how it works that's not how the nfl works you you're equitable for your position why receivers make money court first quarterbacks make all the money because they're the faces of the organization. Wide receivers next. Uh, I can't even say anybody defensively right offhand unless you're just a complete superstar. And I'm talking, you pass have to be. Pass rushers. Pass rushers, yeah. But left tackles make more than them. Pass rushers and middle linebackers. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, 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 they shut that down. Like, Pat, they, they make, they, they make somewhere around maybe fourth or fifth when it comes to this tier of money making because it's, it's, it's left tackle, it's quarterbacks, left tackles. They make the most money on any football team, plain and simple. Because you got your quarterback who's the face of your organization and you got a left tackle who makes sure the face don't get broke. And that's just how it works. You want to make more money and when I change your position, get bigger. Do something. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Otherwise, that's just the way the NFL is made up. And if you got folks that's making comments about other dudes and their contracts, that I I think that has a lot of that silliness from back in college and high school where they still had that. Come on, it's about the team. When you get to the NFL, it's about professionalism. And we all go to work every day, and I can give a fuck about the people I work with, as long as I get my money. Plain simple. We a team. I'm a team. I work on a team with other dudes to get work right. done. But at the end of the day, I got to make sure I'm paid because I got my shit I got going on. Right. These people go right. home, they go to their shit too, just like these dudes on these other teams. So that that most of that is just an old sense of team and sportsmanship that should have that just hasn't been broken out of them people yet because they haven't been in the NFL long enough. 
Pops is a vet. You know, to me, like, that's broken out. That's just plain but, old. But back then, he was only, like, maybe two, three years in the league. He was just in, like, he, he was okay. still in his rookie contract, if I'm not mistaken. I, I got to look that up mm-hmm. and see how long he'd been in the league. But I don't think have, he had have, been in very long. And my other issue with this situation is that when we see the opposite happen, all all folks have is well wishes. Like there's no there's no movement to say, okay, there's a serious problem. For example, Dak Prescott did the opposite of Le'Veon Bell. Mm. He wanted his money. The team refused to pay him. He's clearly earned a new contract. There's really no debating about that. But he decided, well, I'm going to be a professional about this, trot my behind on out, and go ahead and play. And what happens? You break you break your damn leg, and it, it, it is completely up in the air about whether or not this brother's going to be get paid. Even when he comes back, nobody's going to believe that he's going to be the same player. Nobody's going to believe he's going to be the same player. More than likely, this will cost him millions of dollars. Because he didn't hold out. He should have done the same thing Le'Veon Bell did. No. Hold out until they pay me. I don't believe that. I believe he'll be just fine. I think he's actually going to get the money. Because he's he has plenty of time to rehab. He's going to get himself back into shape. He won't make uh-huh. that money with Dallas. He, he's not going to be on, he's not going to be playing for Dallas next year. He will be on another team, a whole other squad, and he's going to make his money. They're just he, gonna tag him again. He gonna be. He well, can't tag him again. Well, here, he, here's he, the he, thing. You can only do. You can only do the free agent. You can only do that tag once. That's only Here, once. Here's hmm. the thing about. Here's the thing about making that money. And and he's gonna make money. Yes. But here's the thing. It's just like when you buy a car. You know the 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 when you hear that there's something went wrong with that car, it's worthless at that point. So we can say he's. The real, realistically, he is not going to make as much money as he possibly could have. We, we, we can't. Uh, that's my opinion, and 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 honestly, we have no proof either way. But I know. But what I know is that, you know, there might be a slight bidding war. But what I do know is that is that I feel like I can offer you less because you're damaged, right? So, so I I just don't think the 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 range of what their teams are going to offer him is not going to be where it could have been because of this injury. So will he make good money? He absolutely will. Will it be the money he could have made? No, I don't think so. And and here's the thing about Le'Veon Bell and all this. What we got to try to do in these situations, and, and speaking from, from his perspective, and, and you got to try to take the emotion out of it. And, and what I mean is that for the NFL, it's a strictly a business decision, right? And, and we, do, we always talk about the players' union, but we don't talk about this union that the owners have. I mean, they got a union. You know, they might not call it that, <laughs> but that's what it is. And, and when they all get together with the NFL and decide that they don't want to pay, this is all they want to pay, you know what I mean? Just like any other business, they have a set amount they have a budget that they would like to use on paying personnel. And when they exceed that budget, you know, that's a problem for them. Now, here's the other side of it. If I exceed my budget, the next team might exceed their budget, right? So let's say I pay Le'Veon Bell what he thinks he's worth. Now, here's the next running back who says, well, I only touched the ball 10 times less. 
So I should at least make close to what Le'Veon Bell does. So now you got another team who's going through it. And as owners, they don't want to go through that. They don't want to go through that. So what they want to do is try to stop it. And that's where you get the demonizing. That's where you get the where you get all this. Now they want to put the camera on these on these few players who want to come out and say, Yeah, I'm I'm mad that he decided to hold out. You know, all this hating going on. Because you know there's gonna be hating. You ain't even gotta worry about that. You ain't even gotta you know there's gonna be some hating ass dude who's gonna be watching somebody else's pockets who feel like I'm mad because I'm only making one million and he talking about he wanna make ten. You know, so we know that's going to happen. We ain't got to worry about that, right? So the owners ain't got to worry about that. So what 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 I think has devalued the running backs, besides the passing game, is the fact that most teams want to go to a two-headed attack when it comes to the run game now. So you got your back yeah, that you too. want in to go in and, and smash mouth, but then you also got that back you want to catch out of the backfield or run around, right? So – so a lot of teams have two running backs that they that they try to give equal touches to when it comes to that. So that has helped to devalue the running back over the years as well, you know. And and so you know, I I think absolutely he should go for his money, and and he shouldn't let anybody stop him from that. He's got to be smart about it. So hopefully he's got a smart agent, right? So he's got to be smart about it. But for, but and and what I mean by smart, he's got to try to take that emotion out. And, and he's got to talk real with these owners, and and it's it, and the agents got to be look. Y'all know y'all just trying to trying to <laughs> downplay them so that you can pay them less. We get that. Here, look, it's about negotiation, negotiating. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into. I don't typically buy into the whole disguise of cancer or this or that. They just don't want to pay them, and they don't want to pay the next guy who's gonna come along and say, hey. You know, I, I I get almost as many touches as he does. When Mahomes got that big contract, well, hey, you know, who's going to be that next quarterback now that wants that type of big contract or close to it, right? So, and that's what happens. So you're shelling out $500 million now. So who's going to want the $450 million? Who's going to want the $400 million? And then who's going to come along after him and prove that he's better at being Mahomes than Mahomes is? So now I want six hundred million. So that's what they're trying to avoid. So it's all a business decision for them, and and they're willing to go to any lengths, including shutting them out, to try to keep other players from doing it. That's that's what it looks like to me when these things, type of things happen. Man, the NFL been doing that for a long time. Man, at least that's most of them. That's why most of them players sit back and they wait to see what other people's contracts is going to turn out to be anyway. That's how they end up negotiating theirs. It's been like that for a while now. So they do make sense that they're trying to shut that down and shit like that. Yeah. I, I understand it completely from the NFL side. I don't understand why players, especially black men, would be complicit in it and say, well, you know, you asking too much of Massa. All right, Massa offered you what he could give, and you should you you should accept what Massa give you. Come on, bro. Because they ain't been fucked over Come yet. On. That's the problem. Now, as soon as they get fucked over and shit, they want somebody to speak up for them too. That's the whole thing. That's why I, that, that's why I like the way they do this thing. Gee, yeah, cut him, but you still owe that boy twenty six million. Right, that boy got his you, money. You cut me all day. I wouldn't get fucked. Just make sure I get my mm-hmm. check on time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly, exactly. Speaking of uh, uh, Dak Prescott, I, I do want to say I hope he has a very speedy recovery. That injury looked absolutely awful. And from everything that I've heard, he's a really, really good brother. So I hope he's able to get back on his feet ASAP. And if and Ryan next Pace year put the divide on. If Ryan Pace is the general manager next year, go get it. <laughs> I'll take Dak over uh I'll take Dak over your boy that you want next year with, with uh 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 Cam. I, I'll take Dak over Cam. This this is true, I would too. But would they pay Dak? Come on now. Shit, why serious. that? Who else they got to pay? When's the last time Chicago paid a black quarterback? They ain't going to pay for no black quarterback. That's the whole other problem. Maybe maybe they'll sell the team. Maybe the McCaskies will give it to somebody who actually want to win a Super Bowl. Maybe that'll work out. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. Since we've transitioned over to this conversation regarding the Bears, let's talk about it, brothers. So last week when we left off, you know, I, I remember a bunch of comments from Jason about how, well, we'll see how they do against the Buccaneers, and we'll see how your boy does against the Buccaneers and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And now they've marched out of there with a win. Uh-huh. Uh, championship resiliency and championship mentality. So, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. I can already see that I, I shouldn't have even expected some sort of apology from you all. Did you see the game? Of, some sort of acknowledgement that you know what, some more you were right. And did you see the game? I, I, I did. I did. You see watched it, that game and that, thought that was a championship caliber offense. I believe that last year we would have lost that game. Who said last this year? year Who? And this year, <laughs> last year we would have lost that game. This year we won it. So right? you felt that that yep. offense that played against yep. Tampa Bay. Was yep. a championship quality offense. I believe that that quarterback is the one who's going to pull out a win, no matter what it takes, no matter how. Going to answer this question? Is nope. I am yeah, answering this question. That offense. So that offense you saw on Thursday uh-huh. night, you yep. felt was <laughs> championship quality offense. I believe they beat the Patriots. So yes. That wasn't the Patriots. No, that wasn't the Patriots. That was the Buck. That was the Buccaneers they played on Thursday night. And you Absolutely. believe playing against the Buccaneers that uh-huh. that was a championship offense. So there's such a thing as you play down to the level of your competition, oh, here we right? Go. And how oh, well you're no. going to play. <laughs> and how well you're going to play and what level you're going to ascend to is based upon the quality of the opponent that you have. So did we do well yet? Well, Thursday? No. What we did was exactly what we needed to do to win. All right? And we, I believe that when we face better teams where a higher quality offensive output will be necessary, we're going to raise our level and do even better because we're basically playing to the competition and, most importantly, again, Concentrate on the phrase that matters. We're doing what it takes to win. That is championship football. So you felt that Tampa Bay was a low quality, so so low quality that the Bears had to bring their quality down to match 
their quality? Is that what you're saying? It's not, it's not that they had to. It's that I feel like we're dealing with a team right now that does to some degree play down to the level of their competition. That's not a good thing. You would like to see them blow out those types of teams and then have the harder games against higher quality teams, but it seems like that's not the type of season we're going to have. We're type, I feel like we have a player in Nick Foles who basically says, at the end, we're going to come out with a win. Now, it may not be pretty. We may not blow them out. We may not bedazzle you with all the amazing things that happen throughout the game. But when that game ends, it's going to be a W for the Bears. And that's all that matters. That type of mentality and conducting yourself in that matter will get you through to the Super Bowl despite the look on your face, brother. <laughs> you just confused I, fuck out of me with that one, dog. I'm sorry. I, here, you, I you, just, you just said that they 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 brought their shit down to match who they played. And as we go further, with uh-huh. so as long as we don't play nobody. It, like so then what you're saying is even when we play a high quality team, the offense is just gonna be that much higher. Is that what you're saying? Right. We're going to adapt to the quality so, of the so team. So it's just facing. gonna be up and down for the next how many games? Yes. Wow. Let me All right, you go ahead, Hudson. I, here, I here's what I saw. <laughs> here's what I saw. I saw a defensive line, a defensive front who won the game for us because they could put they actually put consistent pressure on Brady as opposed to previous games where they they either get a sack or no pressure at all. So I saw I saw a D line who actually pretty much got this win for us, in my opinion. Here's what I saw with Foles. I saw the same thing I saw with Trubinsky. One good quarter of football, and then the rest of it <laughs> cow whatever. That's what I saw. And, and that was at the end, that, and that was at the end of the second quarter. Yep, second <laughs> quarter was his good quarter. To your wife and your that daughter, was, that wasn't even a full quarter. It was only like the last three minutes. Score, yep, score yep. in that quarter. If we're gonna, nah, that was it. If we're gonna have these type of discussions, I need you all to pay attention the entire game. You mean the I'll overthrows, the underthrows, the offthrows, in between talking with your wives and playing with your children. All right. If you play, if you were paying attention the entire way through, Foles' leadership was fantastic, and they pulled out that win, brothers. That that was on display again. We would have lost that game last season. We are already having a better season now than we had last season, and Foles is the major component reason for that. Well, we we were we were two and zero. Make that claim before. So, but anyway, um, (laughs) weren't we two and zero? Make that claim when Foles came in. I make that claim. What that we having a better season than we had last year? We we what are we four three and one four and one? What are we? Four and one. Four and one. We went what eight and eight last year. So how how are we having a better season? We having a we started better. We started hard. It's only been five games, right? So I'm saying you can already see the effect that Foles is having. But this is first start. How did he have that effect on the sideline? What you mean his first start? Trubisky won the first two games. First couple of games. So yeah, that, when when yeah, did his influence couple? Yeah, from the very beginning. See, here's how I know. Here's how I know. <laughs> first here's how I know. Samori's <laughs> just trying to be argumentative. 
You said he won the first two games. <laughs> I'm not. Samori was like, well, his first yes. couple games. What? What? Couple and two are the same yeah. doggone thing. You're just trying to sound argumentative. <laughs> Foles no. had one good quarter That's of not football. True. He said That's the it. first. <laughs> Jason said first few games. Few is more than two. No, he didn't. That's why I he said, said couple. first two. Now you ain't listening to Jason. <laughs> That's possible. That's very possible. <laughs> Dismissing this bullshit y'all keep offering up because y'all don't want to admit the obvious, all right? We are a better team with Foles at the helm. Foles brings a championship mentality that we have lacked, okay. that we have lacked for the past 10 years, if not more. Mike's. That championship mentality is having an immediate effect, an immediate obvious effect in the win column for us. I haven't seen it And yet. that is only going to continue. You have seen it. I have not. Because just last week, just last week, you were convinced we were going to come in with a loss, that we were going to have a loss the next time we spoke. What did I say and we was going to lose? It was the W. It was written all over your face. And I said, I, I hope you're right. Let's see yeah. what happens. I didn't say they were going to yeah. lose against Tampa Bay. When 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 you person says, "Well, I hope you're right," that means I don't think you're right. I'd be pleasantly surprised. Yes, if you happen to be right, I, I was pleasantly I surprised they won that horrible game right. they played. So then you, so then you did not believe they were going to win. It goes back to what I said. I didn't know if they were going to win or not. And I did. And I was I pleasantly surprised that they won that horrible game they played. I knew they were going they to win. It, lit they it literally turned into Super Bowl of who's going to make the least mistakes. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. No, it did the not. game sucked on both sides. Tampa sucked and the Bears sucked. I don't understand. How, so how you tell y'all tell me. How many games does Foles have to win for y'all to finally say, you know what, you, you, you're you're right, Samori. He has had a major impact. He's come here, and he's made this team different. What what exactly are you looking for that has to happen? Because he keeps racking up these W's, and y'all are just unconvinced for no reason. <laughs> racking up racking W's. Up. Jesus Christ, wasn't this his first start? He's one and one as a starter with the Bears right now. What is this racking up? Right. You remember they lost to the, the Colts, right? This isn't a presidential debate. Stop Stop avoiding the question. Answer the question. What needs to happen? How many wins exactly does he need to get before y'all decide you're on this bandwagon that most other people seem to be able to see? Who are these people? Yeah, who, I'm who trying to figure people? out. What, what, what are they looking at when they think that, that yeah. he's taking us to the promised land? What are we looking at? Because I saw an offense that couldn't move the ball unless they got a fumble or a damn interception and put them in a position to score. They had to be at least 30 yards away from the end zone in order to score a touchdown. That's not true. Come on, brother. Can we be – When if, The boy, he, he actually missed, what, two or three touchdowns by overthrowing receivers. No. It could have been a higher score like if, if he right hit there. them. If he would have hit them passes, if he would have hit those passes, I would have been impressed. I actually would have given you some credit, but he overthrew at least three touchdowns. So, 
your your whole mindset then is about well, how many touchdowns did you score during no, the game? No, it's I'm, not about my or mindset not is just like what you win. said last last time we talked about this. I'd uh-huh. rather would you rather have them close games where you got your foot on the pedal, like you like to talk about with just championship right. mentality? Do you want a twenty to nineteen win, or did you want uh-huh. a forty to nineteen win? But that's not the choice. Because then that the would have said that this offense is not inept, which it looked like on on Thursday night. And I would have that, the confidence when we go into another game saying we play, I don't know, because we got to go through Seattle. We got to go through New Orleans. We got to go through all these. We got to play. We got to play the Patriots. W's. With the way they played on Thursday? No, they're gonna have to raise their play, but they will. So Well, when again, I see that, you'll have you'll have my vote. No, you won't. You'll find some other reason no. why Foles is just is just not up to snuff. Because he already just you already were talking about he's gonna go against Brady and he's gonna look at that and the bear gonna lose yada yada yada. Well, I, None of that happened. All, all that garbledness you just said that me I didn't say any of that. I clearly said none of that. Absolutely dead. All right. And the fact about it is you present a false choice to the listeners, all right? Don't be trying to confuse the listeners, all right? The the, the choice is between winning 20 to 19 or losing, which is what we were doing last Why year. Why is that the only choice? Foles, because, as I've said multiple times before, Foles and his championship mentality is a reason why we're racking up wins now and why we're in a much stronger position as a team now compared to what we were last year. But I understand you won't be convinced of this until after we face New Orleans and the Patriots. Fine. We will bring the conversation up again then. But mind you, I already I already know that even then, you and Hudson are going to find some reason in all of this why, well, it really had nothing to do with Foles. And, you know, Foles is irrelevant. We just had a whole conversation about Quarterback is the face of the team. Quarterback is the heart of the team. The quarterback is the highest paid position. And this, and we've got this team that's racking up wins, but y'all don't want to give the quarterback racking. any credit. He keeps saying I don't racking. understand. I, know, right? I don't understand. Because that's what we're doing. I remember last season. It seems like some of y'all have forgotten last season, but I remember last season and the way it went and how there was never any real hope. Last season, all, the offense right looked now. just like it did with Foles. There was no difference. We have to there was a difference. There was zero difference other than the there name on the back of his we jersey and this number. There was a difference we were losing. There was a difference we were losing. We won eight we games last not, year. <laughs> we are not on pace to only win eight games. We're on pace to win more. All right? Where'd that pace so come from? Where, where that number, we, where'd the pace come from? Who, who set that games. pace? It's been five games. We're four and one. That puts us on pace for, what, a 12 and four season. And you that so, that that comes from what exactly? Why is why that, why man. is that the pace? Is is that according bad, to what our schedule says or no, who that's, we're that's playing? That's his probability. <laughs> <laughs> because he's not looking at the three teams he played 
in the beginning here. He's not looking at those three teams and how sorry they were. And he's not looking at that we lost against the Colts, who was actually a legitimate team, and Tampa Bay, who's an up-and-coming mm-hmm. team we had a lot of trouble with. He's not looking at that. Um, but here's what I'll say. We've already discussed here's that. Here's what I'll y'all, say. If y'all want to ignore the discussion, all right. I know you discussed it. The Bears yeah, yeah, we love Foles. Show confidence yeah. in Foles from the very Foles. beginning. That's why we lost. If we had had Foles <laughs> as the starter for the game one, we would have won that game we'd, as well. We'd have been 0-2. Right now. Look here. Be 0-2. Now. See, I remember. Here's what I remember. 2018, I remember where we were watching the Bears rack up those wins. And how much confidence did we not have still in Trubisky? We still talked about how we were how we were letting leads get away from us, how we weren't finishing off teams, right? So even though they were racking up those wins, we still didn't have that type of confidence in the Bears squad. We were hoping that he would get better next year and that, hey, that maybe then it would be a championship team. And we were wrong then. So racking up wins isn't just the, here's what I want to see from Foles. Let's start seeing some complete games. That don't mean he has to be good every series. You know, it doesn't mean that he does, isn't going to have some three and outs. But he only had one good quarter last week. So let me see two good quarters, then three good quarters. Let me see that before I start saying that, you know, because as we all know. Garbage. Because as, as we all know, that 12 and 4 record didn't get us past the first round of the playoffs in 2018. So even if we go 12 and 4, mm. if it's still a sorry looking offense, we still going to get knocked out in the first round anyway. Absolutely. But that's why we're lucky to have an offense that actually plays to the strength level of the team oh, that they're going go. up against. That's number one. <laughs> number two, y'all are act number two, y'all are acting like he's been throwing two, three interceptions every game and they've been somehow finding a way to win. At most, he's thrown one interception. He's actually for the most part been pretty accurate. I think in some of those overthrown and some of those overthrown touchdowns, you are not counting for the receiver not doing what he is supposed to do to be in a position to catch the ball. Look at me in amazement if you want to, but I actually go back and listen to the commentary on some of these plays. I'm not sure you all are doing that. You're just looking at it and like, oh. They didn't connect, so it must be Foles. Uh, well, I guess we'll I see next week after if one that of these, leadership I from Foles will make sure that games, that receiver goes the right turn way. Turn on you know. WGN or Sports News and listen to their commentary about the game where they ask the player, hey, y'all didn't connect on such and such a touchdown. What happened there? And the receiver says, Foles threw the right pass. That was my bad. I should have handled that a different way. Hopefully All that right? championship leadership that Foles got will straighten this out next game. It, it will. <laughs> it will. It will. It so. will. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it is his responsibility to iron out this, this lack of chemistry and some of the issues of the team. It's his responsibility to change the culture and make sure that this improves. But I, what I am saying is you can't blame Foles for these issues being out there right now. His receivers have to do better. His receivers have to run their routes properly or else he's not going to be able to connect. You can't just blame him for it, for it all, no matter how crazy you want to look at me, Jason. So here's my question through all of this. Uh, 
on Sunday they're facing the Panthers. I assume y'all don't y'all don't consider them a real team, right? So that W is not gonna count. What's their record? You know, they they like one and four or something like that. That's fine. That's fine. I don't even know who their quarterback okay. is. Is that Teddy Bridgewater? So and I think he so getting benched. On on the twenty sixth, then we got the Rams Monday Night Football. Does that work? It's a, it's a good That's team. That first real team. It's a good okay. team. It's got Aaron okay. Donald on it. That's the damn sure. It's so, gonna be a challenge. So so hold on. So hold on. We get two more wins, two straight wins. Oh, and, and then and at, don't forget after, they just put James Daniels and went out on the on the IR. So that means even less protection for your newfound god Nick Foles and shit. So. He gonna he gonna have to get that ball off or whatnot, depending on who they put out there in front of. First of all, I'm a Christian. All right, there's only one Lord. I don't I don't I don't worship anybody else. I just champions respect other champions. I don't understand how Hudson's trying to raise champions, but he can't see the champions in other people. It, it, you gotta might work on be that, because there ain't no champion in them. But but <laughs> I hear you know what we're saying is I I'm gonna. We're going to skip this Foles conversation next week. October 28th, that Wednesday, after these two Oh, games we most passed, certainly won't be skipping anything. If he go out there, he look terrible. No better believe I'm saying something. There's no point in it. There's no point in me having this discussion if, if y'all can't if, be convinced. If hey, your offense goes out there and plays at the Panthers level, I'm going to have a conversation about it. Okay? Look, tell you I what. Tell you what. Me and Jason will talk right, about so. it while you stay silent then. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> Listen, if, if Foles make the, the Panthers defense look all world, you better believe I'm talking about it. Uh-huh. So, like I said, on the 28th, October 28th, that Wednesday, we're going to revisit this topic after Foles done racked up these two wins and after he done showed more consistency, spreading more of that championship mentality, pulling us further along into this path of getting to the Super Bowl, I need y'all to be ready to backtrack everything that y'all have been saying for weeks. Could we keep a copy of this? Polls. Can we keep a copy and of the recording of this as well, a little real handy? Absolutely. So we don't go saying, absolutely. well, Jason said the next So we don't we can we can know what I, I actually said. I remember everything that was said, fellas. Thank you very much. And I, just hope, I just need y'all not to backtrack on anything and to stand strong on this nonsense that y'all have been spreading. Don't, don't, don't try to back out at the last minute. Appreciate that, though. Maury, I, I know that. that all right. I know that we've all been hurt a lot by by Bears offenses <laughs> and Bears quarterbacks, but we don't have to. We don't have to have false idols. All right. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for joining us here at SJH Man Cave. We appreciate you spending time with us today. Once again, if you are a black business owner and would like to get featured as our business of the week, please make sure to send an email to info at sjhmancave.com. Any of our listeners can get a hold of us there as well. Remember that you can hear this and other episodes on all your major podcast platforms. We are also on YouTube at SJH Man Cave. Once you're there, please hit that subscribe button, like, and leave a comment. You can also like, share, and follow us on Facebook at SJH Podcast Family. I would like to thank my two fellow podcasters, Jason and Hudson, for keeping it real. Until next time, this is your host, Samori, signing off. Deuces.